turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Sitting here and telling war stories about open-heart surgery. So we get ready to do the show today. Curtis Coleman in today. R.D. Hopper is out. So I needed to find somebody who could fill in for R.D. And I... Uh, and you couldn't find anybody. And you couldn't I, find I, anybody. I texted went out on the street. Come in. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys exactly what he said. I've been out of the whole political spectrum, Dave, for two years now. Now, I could talk about the shutdown. And I feel what else he said he could I talk said, I, about. I, no, here's what I said. I said, I know two things. I know the government was shut down. And I know Jan Morgan is running there for governor. Go. Oh, and I said, that's go. all that's I all know. That's all you got to yeah. know, baby. And here's what Dave said back to me. Nothing's changed in <laughs> Nothing's changed in five years. That's about the truth. It's all uh, going the same way. Same uh, stuff, different people. It's amazing. It is amazing. I've been doing talk for years, but I've covered politics for much longer than that. And I can only tell you that it doesn't matter what state you're in. It's always the same. It works yes. the way it works. Yes, my wife calls it a soap opera. So, well, you know, well, kind of, kind of, yeah. yeah. It's one of those deals where you can turn it on once every ten years, and you know exactly <laughs> what's happening. What was that old joke? <laughs> Until Trump came along on the national scale, yeah, that's true. Yeah. What yeah. was the What was the joke that they had? And uh, was it, what was it? They said they said that. Uh, oh, I forget what it went, but it ended up by oh my God, Nixon's president. I mean, that's the way it ended. It was a, a, a long joke yeah. about Republicans. <laughs> but nothing changed. But nothing had well, changed. You know, Dave, we should put our heads together because you remember the punchline, and that's the part I always forget. So. <laughs> I, just, I just can't remember that joke Where's right the now. rest of the joke, Curtis? It just jumped out. It jumped out and it was like, say something about that. And then I did, and it was like, okay, where are you going to go with it now? There's no place to go with it. Nowhere that. to go there. Don't know the joke. Elizabeth is here. Curtis is here. And Paul is here. The power panel is been convened here in the studio. They'll be here until five, five o'clock. The Bible guys will be here. I'm understanding that Scott Stewart will be back today from Agape Church, as well as Steve Hess, and uh, we'll see what kind of questions that you have for him uh, a little later on in the show. If you want to send them one, it's Bible Guys, one word at Salem L R. Dot com, or you can call in and ask it over the telephone a little later on. All right, so some big, big, big stories are happening right now. One is always being alluded to, but we don't know all the information. Uh, this started for my show. What did we, hey, Scott, Scott, Russ. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> We were, when did we have Westerman on? Was that 
that was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty sure it was last week we had him on. And he's—I mean—he brought up the memo to us. He mentioned I read the memo. I can't Dave. remember if you brought it up to him and he said he couldn't comment on Ooh. it, or if you, he brought it up to you. I, I want to say you brought it. You briefly mentioned it to him, and he said he couldn't comment. He on couldn't it. comment on it, but he could but tell he me that it. he wrote it. He he had, he wrote it. He, he read, read it. it. He saw it. He had oh read my. it, and he said. He is. He was still in a state of shock over what he saw. So, the word yeah, that anybody wants to listen to that interview, it's out on the podcast right now. Okay, that was what I'm trying to say. That may have been. That was. It was Friday because uh, Cat was on. Yeah, it was. It was the five o'clock hour of Friday, and he. Was I'm pretty on sure the podcast is up there. I'll have to go check, but I, I know the whole hour. The whole day podcast is up from Friday. Okay, so you can you can get it. You should listen to it. Uh, Trey Gowdy was talking about this FISA memo, and uh, this is cut number six, uh, Russ. Here's what he had to say about it. What about this FISA memo? Are we going to see it? Uh, well, I helped draft it, and I would tell my friends in the FBI, um, everything I got that went into that memo, I got from you. So I don't know why you need to see my memo. You got really good lawyers working for the Department of Justice. Everything that is in that memo. Well, why that not I draft- release it, though, Congressman? Well, I drafted it for my colleagues. I didn't draft it for the FBI. Uh, the FBI can do their own memo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got more lawyers than we have on the House Intel Committee. I drafted it for my colleagues who are not on HIPSI so they could see some of the documents. And they're all classified, which is why I, I, I can't release it to the public without a vote. But for the FBI to say, we want to see your memo, when for months and months they hadn't let us see lots of stuff we wanted to see, the memo came from what you gave us, FBI. Uh, There's nothing new in there other than what you gave us and you showed us. The fact that I took the time to reduce it to a four-page memo, you can do the same thing if you want to, and maybe we can exchange both I've only got a few seconds. There you go. Trey Gowdy being Trey Gowdy. He's basically putting it right back in their face, and it's Chavitz. Former Senator Chavitz was talking about this, and he listen. This is what he says about Trey Gowdy on this. This is cut number seven. Have you talked to any of your friends that serve our country that say this stuff is really bad? Yeah. What are they saying? Yes, look. Uh, in, in particular, I got to tell you, uh, Trey Gowdy uh, is one of my closest friends there in Congress. You know, twenty plus years as a prosecutor, loves and, and cares for law enforcement as much as anybody I've ever met. And this is as disturbing as anything he's ever seen. John Ratcliffe, uh, a serious, a former federal prosecutor from Texas. You haven't heard from him as much, but you know, he sent out. A, it's a little bit of a, a different situation, but when he's looking at the text messages and he tells you that he's reading quote secret society end quote right. you got to take that very seriously the guy used to on behalf of the united states government prosecute terrorism cases he has an impeccable impeccable background mm-hmm. and those two gentlemen one from judiciary one from oversight they're pursuing anything that's non-russia related but the intel committee right. they ought to release this report. so you're talking the intel committee word is is that going to release this 19 working days. I don't know exactly what that means, uh, but we're going to see it in the very near future. In Congress, that could be a whole year, though. And and I'm going to tell you what, Westerman said it was damning. That's exact. That was his words, not mine. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff floating out that this is 
the Obama administration, the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA working together to undermine the Trump campaign. Do you know how scary that is? I mean, seriously. That's it's very scary. Beyond That's, scary. It's, it's, it's more frightening than the idea that Russia colluded with the Trump campaign. Yeah, well, how about, uh, what's his name, this uh, Scorch guy? Storts or whatever. The, Strzok. Is it Strzok? Is that what his name is? Strzok. And, Strzok. And, and, uh, and all of these uh, text messages and emails that he has between him and his mistress. And um, he made the statement that he didn't want to be on on uh, Mueller's team. Here, Let me just read. The, the FBI's what? top agent on the Trump-Russia investigation sent a text message last year that one top Republican senator says suggests he saw no evidence of Trump campaign collusion. The text message, which was sent by Peter Strzok, is jaw-dropping, said Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, the chairman of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. He was doing. He was talking about this on a radio interview with Jay Weber at WISN in Milwaukee. Strzok wrote, quote, You and I both know the odds are nothing. If I thought it was lucky talking about Trump-Russia collusion, I'd be there, no question. I hesitate in part because of my gut sense and concern that there's no big there, there. Hmm. Wow. I'm just, I think this memo comes out, it's going to freak everybody out. It's going to freak. What is, is he calling you over there? I guess. Wow, <laughs> well, you, you, you've you been take, called to the principal's office. You're in trouble. <laughs> it didn't take you long to get in trouble. Uh, Elizabeth got in trouble with the principal. <laughs> the principal is Russ. I mean, he's he's the man. What can I tell you? What? It, how do you feel about it? I mean, we don't know exactly, but everybody I've talked to about this memo thing that has seen it is all freaked out about it. That certainly seems to be the case. You know, I was sitting here thinking there are two people I never want to debate. And Trey Gowdy's one of them. <laughs> He's tough, <laughs> and, man. And Newt Gingrich is the other. Yeah. I never want to debate either one of those guys. They're both tough. And, you know, I they though both of those people have an enormous amount of credibility in my mind. And I don't know what the memo says, and I don't know what to expect, but I've got to tell you when Trey Gowdy characterizes the memo as he did, that says an enormous amount. Anybody who understands uh, that that man's credentials and his credibility. Quoting so. Trey Gowdy, it's the most disturbing of anything I've ever seen. Well, so so, and he's seen some disturbing. Probably things. so. Yeah. And so, so is this just kind of going to illustrate that more and more we don't need to allow the government to have have secrets unless it's just, especially ours. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, unless it's just incredibly important, but but they need to be. Secret for a short of time as period, a short of time of, of short of period of time as as possible, and and and, and not allow them to, to to keep things secret from us unless there's just a really really good reason. Well, let's understand that this memo evidently happened some during the campaign, but but the majority during the transition and the setting up of the new government. Mm-hmm. And as I listen to that, almost like sabotage. Well, that gives me a. It makes me think of a coup, a bloodless coup. That's going exactly on. what it was. That's exactly what they were. Up I mean, to. that's what it. That's what it sounds like to me. And I'm going to tell you what. If that's what it is, 
There's a lot of people need to be standing in front of judges and stuff and going to jail. I don't know if we hang treasonous people anymore, <laughs> but no, if you're trying to overthrow the legitimately elected government, it's time to get serious. Well, here's the thing. When you go back and look at all these little odd coincidences and what, four or five times now, as soon as the spotlight turns on somebody, oh, the emails are missing, they're lost, they're bleach bit, they're hammered, whatever. There's something wrong, something bad wrong. And it is systemic and it is deep. But Elizabeth, now, you should, there's all you kinds should. of explanations, but not really many that fit all those pieces together, except but, for the coup idea. But Elizabeth, you should just trust them. I mean, it's, it, where is your faith in your government? You should My just faith trust. was gone years <laughs> ago. And after the memo comes out, I bet you many, many other people will have lost theirs as well. I think a lot of people need to need to look at their government as a as a as a servant at best, but, but look at them as a servant that needs a lot of watching. Well, I'm not even sure I can call it a necessary evil anymore. Well, and, it's uh, certainly necessary and it's certainly evil, but I well, don't know if that covers all the bases. Well, and and some, <laughs> sometimes I think that the the problem comes in that government, when it's good, is probably um, it, it's it's more good than it is evil, but. When it becomes out of control, and at some point, it, you, you, the government is doing more harm than they're doing good, and I think we need some major reforms. Well, that's an Duh. understatement. I'd but say that's, that's an understatement. But that, and I agree with what you said. But I think we need to understand that get, that's typical of government. That government, by its very nature, tends to absorb so, uh, more and more of our more and more power. That's exactly and, what Jefferson and, and said. And more and more reach, and it requires a constant oversight and a constant right. reform. And, 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 and that we need to understand it's gotta we've gotta constantly work at reforming. Right. And, and we've got to have good moral people that are right. doing the right. reforming Which is and more the watching. Difficult. And that's and, and, the and big that, problem. And that's right part now. Of, that that really is a big the big problem is that so many of the of our population we want big government. We want big, corrupt, mean, bad government. And so we vote for it. We continue to vote for it and because, one, we're blind, and two, we're selfish. Well, and I think that's a good point, Paul. I think our government, I think our people in elected office represent us in more ways than with, than which, with, with, yeah. with which we're comfortable. Uh, they're yeah. representing their party. Well, some of them, I mean, but I think they, them, I think they represent our car- our culture. I, I think they do. I think they too. represent our character. Oh, they definitely unfortunately, represent. Yes, unfortunately, they, they very much represent our character. I'm afraid, and that's just it's a it's a bad commentary on on the population. You know, to bring this thing home a little bit, Dave. I and I, I don't know if most people in Little Rock know this. I'm sure this panel, all of you know this, but the the uh, the uh, uh, intelligent FISA, the gosh, I've forgotten what FISA stands for, which is the which is the center point of this whole debate, right. authorized a secret court, a secret mm. panel of judges. Star which, chamber. Which should, uh, you know, which, yeah, which should, you know, cause us concern all by itself. Mm-hmm. But people may not know that one of those judges is right here in Little Rock mm-hmm. and has an mm-hmm. office right here downtown mm-hmm. Little Rock. Wow. And, that would and be. I've been in his office. Mm. Go ahead and name names. I, I actually don't know that I'm allowed supposed to do that. To. It's supposed to, so I'm not going to get any of us in trouble, but he has an office right here in Little Rock. Yeah. And, hey, call him and, and almost, if he almost, wants to come on the show. Yeah, I'm sure he will. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean he, he has he has armed guards at his office, and I there's bet. nobody Whoa. in his office, and it's a it's most of the floor of a downtown office building here in downtown Little Rock, and, and there's nobody in his office but himself and I think one or two secretaries. 
So it's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. That's it, which authorizes stuff. And he's one of those. So we're not even supposed to talk about the name of someone who's on this FISA court? Well, I don't know if I'm supposed to or not. I I understand. And so I'm going to. You don't want to have a missile brought into the room here. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. But, you know, I'm worried about couple secret service guys walking in walking and in and here going and, yes escorting him out. my last day on the day vote well here's, here's <laughs> the interesting thing about the fisa court from all i've read obviously it's a secret court obviously you have to have a huge amount of serious evidence so they say to get a fisa court that's court what they warrant. say they say that almost every single time they've ever presented themselves they've gotten the warrants but last summer they were not able until the government came back with quote more information they allege now to be the russian dossier and then they were able to get the warrant i think it's interesting that everything we've heard up till now oh you always get a warrant when you go to the fisa court well something last summer they did not get given the way things are going today i think that's really really interesting i'd like to know what it was and why they didn't get it all right we got to get a break in it's 22 after two we got more to talk about about this about the text messages, about the government uh, shutdown, how the Democrats really blew it this time. I I read a columnist who said, I thought I'd never see the the Democrats screw up a shutdown. They did this time. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And don't forget about my friend Safari Pets at 808 West Main in Cabot. I believe they're going to be on with us this Friday. Uh, 501-628-0067 is their phone number. Safari-pet.com is their website. It's the place that you go in Cabot. It's the largest independent pet store in Arkansas. They've got everything you need for taking care of your pet or your pets, and whether you're just a dog or a cat or uh, what they call exotics, and that goes all the way from, you know, African birds all the way up to tarantulas. You need crickets? They got crickets. I mean, they got everything you need to set up your terrarium or your saltwater or freshwater aquariums. They got all of that right there at Safari Pets, 808 West Main in Cabot. Their uh, website again, safari-pet.com. Let's quickly get to uh, Daryl before we get to uh, Todd Starnes. Daryl, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. We're down to just about a minute and a half. Go. All right, thank you. I just want to ask you a quick question. How do you deal with... uh, I'm married, and my wife is a super non-Trumper, and I'm not, and we're about to get a divorce over it because every time the TV comes on, she is nailing Don Trump, Donald Trump with this, 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 and the man, he's doing good. I agree he's doing good. I can answer that. How do you deal with somebody that just cannot, understand one damn word okay. throw the tv away i'll tell you what here you go daryl you 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 listen in we're going to talk about it and we'll ask other listeners if they want to get into it in the next half hour yeah agree to disagree that's the best thing to do except if the other person refuses you know to keep themselves under control you know some of the people that i've run into that just go absolutely ape when you bring up the name of Donald Trump. Of course, but then you just turn the other cheek and walk away. Yeah, I just look at him and I go, you know, we're over 26000 on the stock market, unemployment at a low level. My 401k is going up. 
Black yeah. unemployment is down. Gorsuch, you know? Supreme Court. Yeah, I just I start naming off all of his uh, achievements. Anyway, we'll talk more about this after Todd Starnes. Want some beef you can put on your uh, dinner table and you'll be uh, happy to serve to your family because you know where it's been raised. You know that it was born on a on a farm uh, in uh, Greenbrier and been raised on that farm and never had any antibiotics or hormones injected into it. Raise stress-free so it'll be uh, more tender. Well, if you'd like to do that, then what you need to know is if you give the Lewis Family Farm uh, a contact, they can get you set up for it. You can buy a quarter, a half, or a whole cow, and uh, they turn you over to the uh, packing house. The packing house asks you how you want the beef prepared. Do you want, like, four-inch steaks or something like that? Uh, how much uh, you know ground round do you want and all the rest? I can tell you this, people who have used Lewis Family Beef have said that they will never buy beef from stores ever again, that the taste is just absolutely different and it's absolutely delicious. If you want to know more about how to buy a quarter, a half, or a whole, uh, go visit them on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Lewis Family uh, Beef. That's Lewis Family Beef. Now, I have a phone number for Cody or Sarah at 501-514-1494. And uh, if Sarah's not teaching one of their five homeschooled kids, she'll be happy to answer the phone. Typically, Facebook is the best way to get to them. Again, that's Facebook.com, Lewis Family Beef. Get clean beef to feed your family. All right, back with uh, Curtis and with Paul and with Elizabeth and Daryl asked a question that may be a question that uh, a lot of people are dealing with. One member of the household is a, is a Trump supporter and the other one isn't. And they can't even talk about it because it leads to arguments. So what do you do in that case? If you're having that problem, 8230965 is our number, 8230965. And tell us how you've tried to rectify that uh, that uh, you know problem. And now I'm going to turn it. I'm going to turn to to, to Curtis, as Curtis uh, you know has been a, a preacher and uh, a pastor. What would you tell people if they came to you and seeking counseling, Curtis, and said, "We just can't get along. We argue all the time. It comes up on the TV. We get in a fight about it." What would you tell them? Well, wow, uh, <laughs> in three <laughs> minutes or less, right? <laughs> well, those can, things, David, I mean, fundamentally, the bottom line here is that those things happen, and it can be Trump or it can be anything else. Those things, St. Louis fan and a Cub fan. Exactly. Those kind, of, <laughs> those kind of conflicts happen when we love ourselves more than we love our spouse. I mean, mm, that's, just that's, the simple, that's just a simple fact. You, when you love yourself more than you love your spouse, you're going to have a spouse, you're going to have those kind of conflicts. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, a lot of us go into marriage because we want things from somebody else. We don't go into marriage because we want to give something to somebody else. And uh, there's, there's, there's no way around that particular concept because it, it's, I mean, it's as solid as you can get. It's a boulder in the path until, until you, you love somebody else more than you love yourself. You're going to have those kind of conflicts and, and there can be temporary uh, solutions or truces, but no no resolution until you un- start loving other people more than you love yourself. That's just the bottom line, Dave. It's, 
and it's true of all of life. Well, and here's the thing these days. It seems as though there's much more of the other message than there is that message out in the world. In other words, it's always these days about if you and I disagree, it's not about the disagreement. It's I win, you lose, I'm big, you're small, I'm on top, you're down, all this back and forth, and it always has to be punitive and mean well, and and right, I think that contributes to much more of this. Recognizing that the marriage relationship is very important, and and, and some sometimes the the issues themselves. The fact is, you know, arguing over a person, nobody's perfect. Why would you argue over a person? Uh, try to figure out what your principles are, and actually have discussions about the principles, and and try to figure out what's right and wrong. You might discover that you agree on a lot more than what you realize, and you might discover that you know, maybe you can actually find some find some um, common ground about Trump, even with someone you disagree with <laughs> about the person themselves. I mean, but but find common ground. That's And that's kind of... And that that's what I'm speaking to. I think people are, I'll say, sort of primed by, you know, the media and the social things that you hear and just out on the street and everywhere else. Instead of looking for what's in common, they're looking to argue. They're well, looking but, to be mean. And not only that, but they're afraid. So they're fearful. And when you're fearful... All you do is protect and lash and out. And turn your brain off. And turn your brain off. And but, I think that's a large part of what ha- is happening right. today. And finding common ground is, is that's where you have to start to start off with agreements. That's right. You to start off that's to, right. to, to solve disagreements. Is you have to keep backing up and find some common premises. I mean, look what Trump which, did with the immigration fight just now. He found the common ground. But Elizabeth made a good point. The question is, is it agreements you want to find or you just want to win? See, yeah. and I think, just, again, I, mean, I think yeah. people are, I think in a large way, people are very frightened. And any little thing that comes along shakes them up enough, and all they want to do is lash out because they're already scared. They're already in a corner. They're already pushed right. around. And, and a lot of us, and are, they want to fight. A lot of us are. It was, it was the little saying goes: "Men live lives of quiet des- desperation." A lot of us are kind of in desperate situations a lot of times, and and so sometimes a, a small thing will tick us off, and we'll be tipped over the edge, and we go crazy. Well, and that's what I'm saying about the fear. You're already on the right. edge. Right. It doesn't and, take and so, much. And so something comes along. Someone disagrees with you and you're insecure about a lot of other things and all of a sudden you Bluey. Just, right you blow up go into orbit yeah. and it doesn't and, matter if you're and, and we all know the person who's closest to you is the one that gets the brunt of most of that uh, right uh, unfortunately yeah, or the person driving in the lane next to you that's the other one because <laughs> a lot all of us a lot of us drive, drive <laughs> a lot of us drive with great anger and we do it because we can do it with anonymity but yeah you know and you know the fact is is that you know i'm a believer and and i'm a christ follower but I'm someone who's acutely aware that I'm living in a post-Christian culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you live in a culture uh, from which Christ has been divorced, who taught us how to love people more than we love ourselves, these kinds of issues and events are inevitable. I mean, this is this is exactly the symptom. And this is symptoms what I, of post-Christian culture. Right? Exactly, and that's what I was kind of speaking to when I said also what's happening out there in the world is so negative that. Soldiers for Christ have to fight anyway, but now it's like five times harder or a hundred times harder because, yeah, you can't just stand there and say, oh, yeah, I'm a soldier for Christ. No, now you have to fight. Now you have to really do it right. Yeah, which starts with loving people. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, that's, I, I that's the only thing that never fails. I apologized to my son-in-law the other day. We got into a discussion, and it heated up, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be honest. Everything I told him was absolutely true, but the way that I said it was absolutely wrong. And I had to go back in and apologize for that. 
Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that too, Dave. I, uh, you know, one of the things I've learned over the last couple of years, and almost every, every almost every sin in my life that I can identify, which leaves room for some that I haven't identified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's well, I'd be a lot has, of room right there. <laughs> has had its root in anger. I've mm-hmm. discovered mm-hmm. that when I get angry, that's where I move into things that 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 are wrong. Well, we shut our brains off. You know? And uh, <laughs> you know, I've started being incredibly sensitive to the fact that when I get angry, that that's when I get in trouble and say things that are wrong, or at least they may be, they may be true, but they're offensive and hurtful. That's what I'm saying. And they cause injury, and which is so unnecessary. So if you have this in your home, Daryl, I don't know what to tell you. I'm a married lady. I think what I would do is what I've done before with my husband when we've had those disagreements that we agree to disagree. I usually try to sit down across from him where I can look right at him, and he's looking right at my face, and I try to hold him by the hand. Because it's really hard to be angry with someone when you're holding their hand. Have you ever have you ever had that tactic used on you? <laughs> mm. I learned it from someone else. But, uh, you know, I sit across from him and I try to hold his hand and I try to just say, hey, look, let's find the common ground and let's decide that we either are going to agree or we're going to agree to disagree and let's leave it alone. It's not helping either one of us. And here's a little practical thing I would suggest for almost any kind of an argument. And uh, it's called the ironic blessing. It's from Numbers chapter 6. And it's not the ironic blessing. It's the <laughs> ironic blessing. And you've probably heard it. Maybe it would be good for you to memorize it because it's great. It's a great thing to use in, in a moment of heated anger, which says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's impossible to offer somebody that blessing and, and to hurt them. them and hurt them, and then, yeah, and then cuss them out at the same time. <laughs> through gritted you know, teeth. Yeah, and, yeah even, even, through, <laughs> even through gritted teeth. Offer the blessing. And I will tell you, I promise you, it will change the whole atmosphere of the moment. And uh, if you don't know what to say, you know, we've a lot of us have people we're dreading running into. You know, I mean, there's somebody who's got something against us, or they've hurt us, and we're mad at them or something, and we have no idea what we're going to say when we run into them. And my guess is everyone hearing me has just thought of somebody, you know, that you dread running into. That's what you have ready. Have that blessing ready because that's a place to stand. And when everything around you is going wrong and everybody around you is acting wrong and you're in an atmosphere that's so ungodly it's intolerable, offer the blessing. Offer Memorize it's number six, I think 22 through 24. I can't remember the exact verses, but it's in Numbers chapter 6. And uh, it's the blessing that Moses told Aaron to bless the people with. And, you know, Dave, I was here last week, and I, I shared that blessing with a, a lady who had been cleaning up the, the restrooms on my way out. Yeah. And it was just a really special moment mm-hmm. for both of us. And it's just amazing how God uses that simple little thing uh, to diffuse what otherwise would be a tragic moment. Well, I try to pray for my enemies. And if you pray for yeah, your but, enemies, it's hard to have an enemy. Yeah, I guess it kind of depends on how you pray for them. No, but I mean, I pray, I pray for their <laughs> no, best for Yeah, I know you do, and I'm, I was know? teasing you when I said that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's hard to be mad at somebody or to have ill will against somebody if you're, if you're praying for them. But you can still be perplexed. Yeah, well, I, yeah I, I'm, I'm remembering... I'm, I'm perplexed by a lot of people. <laughs> I, I'm remembering the young man yesterday who said that one of his political science professors the day after Trump was elected said, truly, honestly, he yeah. really meant it. I just can't believe that people would think differently than I do. That many people. But you got to pray for those people, folks. You do. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's just they unbelievable. Arkansas, that was the <laughs> political science department in at just, Arkansas Tech. I've heard it before, and I but I've never really heard it firsthand from someone, and it just stuns me that a grown adult in today's world would not understand that there might be another way of looking at things other than the way you look at them. Yeah. Really? Evidently, he thought that there were people out there who thought different than, differently than he did. He just couldn't believe there was that many people <laughs> who thought Well, that hopefully we can keep that many him. people going again for the midterms. All right. Big break for us. Uh, don't forget about PI Roofing and Home Solutions. You know, Joel Johnson, I really appreciate him. He's a great entrepreneur. And when he sees something that needs to be done, if he can do something about it, he does. Uh, he's got a business that's well known for what they do with people's roofs. But he also understood that what he did fixes a problem that before he can fix it many times, other problems occur. Speaking of water getting into your home, perhaps from a leak and damaging, uh, you know, the ceiling in your living room, uh, discolorations, uh, destroying drywall, insulation, all kinds of things. And he also understood getting a contractor to come out and fix all of those different uh, problems was difficult. So what did he do? Well, he came up with a solution. That's what makes him such a great guy. And uh, he hired people that do all of those different things that I just mentioned. And now when the folks at PI Roofing come out and they repair your roof and they stop the leak. They can be shown the problems that you've that have been caused because of that leak. And they've got the people there that will go and fix those problems for you. And all you got to do is pay one bill. It's a great job uh, done by PI Roofing now and Home Solutions. So whether it's interior, exterior painting, drywall repair, carpentry work, insulation, ventilation, you name it. They've got people that will help you fix all of that. All you have to do is contact them. To do that, go to, uh, you know, Google and Google uh, PI Roofing or go to piroofing.com. Hey, don't forget that everything you know about claiming your Social Security benefits has changed. It happens that every year because the government gets together and they change things about Social Security. And those differences... uh, make it so that when you claim your benefits, you could end up losing tens of thousands of dollars in lifetime benefits or have higher taxes or increased Medicare premiums. There's all of that that's going on. So keep all of that in mind. And uh, you need to get the facts about this. You can get a new book called the 2018 guide to social security from David Lucas. Of course, he's the David Lucas of the David Lucas show heard right here every Saturday from 10 a.m until and again at 3 a.m and uh, he'll give this to you free the simple and easy to read guide packed full of up-to-date information for this year that could help you avoid losing those that money that i talked about earlier so to get your free 2018 guide to social security just be one of the first 10 callers at 501-653-6690 uh, that number again 501-653-6690 zero so keep keep that in mind and uh you can get one of those also know that he's got some of those seminars coming up he's got one coming up in february i'll mention that to you here in a day or two and let you know where to call and how to take care of it all right dave ellswick show we were just talking during the break i can play a little um 
soundbite for you, get us ready for the next hour about the shutdown of the uh, federal government. And uh, the media has been attacking uh, the Dems and Schumer about how this turned out. Take a listen to this. Just cut four. And many Democrats watching this process from the sidelines are asking out loud, what was the point of a three-day shutdown? Well, it was to test relative political strength. And in this first engagement with President Trump over the high-risk strategy of pursuing a shutdown, Democrats on Monday, after a three-day shutdown, have relented, accepted nearly all White House terms, so this can only in the moment be viewed as a victory for President Trump. The House voting just moments ago. The Democrats giving in on the dreamers. It's frustration with the president, but I'm asking about the leader of your party on the Senate side. Did he cave? Let's understand what went on behind the scenes, because why did the Democrats who voted for this trust the Republicans and Mitch McConnell on Monday, yesterday, when they didn't on Friday. It sounds like there's a lot that wasn't in this deal. So, so again, I, I have to heart back on what, what, what one thing can you point out that, that the Democrats, that, that Leader Schumer, what one thing did he get, you know, from Republicans to justify shutting down the government in the first place? So, so the one thing I would say that he did get is the potential for momentum. Is it fair to say that the shutdown, the government shutdown, backfired for Democrats. You know, again. I'm still hung up, though, and I know Americans are listening, and they heard you say, and it's reverberating, potential for momentum, and they're thinking, yeah, potential that, for momentum, was that really worth shutting the government down for? The what, potential for something. There are a lot of Democrats that aren't happy. There are a lot of reasons for Democratic activists to be concerned. It doesn't seem that the Democrats have still learned how to fight a good uh, political battle, a good yeah. political war, legislatively, uh, are with their communications. But, you know, this ended up just being a phony war. This was, to borrow a phrase from the beginning of World War II, this was a phony war. And, David, that's why the pressure is on to act. If no deal is reached by March 5th, those dreamers could face deportation. It's also why this is such a political gamble for Democrats. They took a stand here, shutting down the government over dreamers, and it is unclear if they're ultimately going to get what they want. But let's not get too excited about it. No, I think, you know, this deal was predicated on trust, which is why progressives are so upset about it, because... Uh, a huge colossal mistake by the Democrats that tried all weekend to blame the Republicans. They couldn't do it. Ended up backfiring on them. And the deal was Republicans would promise to hold a vote on immigration. And in exchange, Democrats would agree to keep the government open for three more weeks. Yeah, three more weeks, which to me sounds pathetic. <laughs> Woo. They just can you, wanted can out you of say it. that the media just beat up on the Democrat Party? Yeah, that was pretty I, I, hard. I, I, I wasn't I wasn't picking up on everybody's voice there. I probably I probably didn't recognize everybody I should yeah. have, but yeah, somebody got beat up. Yeah, they were harsh. <laughs> I, I love that. When she says, so why did you do it for momentum? The potential for momentum. Yeah, the potential, the potential for, for momentum. momentum. My favorite answer was, well, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. that was that one guy yeah, yeah that was good oh that they say good. the base is just livid it's just livid because they caved well here's the key schumer doesn't get to work they were exactly right when they said in march uh they're going to start deporting people because the democrats have refused to come to the table on this 
there's going to be some real, real problems if really push comes to up. Because I, the way it looks like to me, it looks like the president's holding his ground firmly on the things that he wants. One, he wants the wall. Schumer now saying, no, we're not going to give you the wall. You got Cotton out there who's got the uh, the Rise Act that's uh, talking about, uh, you know, you got to have some kind of uh, of talent that you'd be able to support yourself to come into the country instead like of real vetting. And, yeah, instead of having just chain migration. Uh, those are two big issues. And, and the Republicans are saying, look, we'll, we'll do DACA with you, but we just want to make sure that we don't end up having to do DACA again. Negotiation, baby. You got what you want. Get us some of what we want. We'll work a deal. That's the way it's supposed to work. We'll see. We're going to be watching it. We'll take a break. Elizabeth, Curtis, Paul, myself, we'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as A in attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T, lawgroup.com call us at 501-400-8250 or google me kimbrough stevens and we look forward to hearing from you we move into the second hour dave ellswick show today we'll uh, go with power panel until five o'clock at five o'clock the bible guys will make their way here to the studio and uh dr uh, scott stewart from agape church will be here steve hess from agape will be here as well They'll take any Bible question you might have, any theology question you might have, any spiritual question that you might have. I mean, uh, if you want to ask, well, how do you know the Bible's true? Go ahead, Dr. Stewart. He'll, he'll explain it to you. He really will. The real power panel comes yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They do a good job. And we've had some pretty interesting uh, questions I'm going to bring back one from two weeks ago because I want to uh, see what the answer is from uh, Scott. And a person said, hey, in the Old Testament, it talks about stoning people for doing certain things. But in the New Testament, they don't stone them. Doesn't that show that maybe part of the Bible is inspired and part of it isn't? Because it can't, you can't have it both ways. Problem is, you don't. You know, this person doesn't understand Scripture. And yes, you can have it both ways. So, and there was a deacon that got stoned in the New Testament. By there's, the way, there's, there's, yeah. there are several. <laughs> there are several stonings mentioned in the New Testament. Stephen was one of them, but it wasn't a righteous stoning. They murdered the man in that case. But but stoning still in the New Testament is mentioned. I think most of the instances that we read about, or all of them perhaps, are are cases where people were out of control and they actually committed an act of murder. But that doesn't actually mean that that the punishment is evil in any way. I mean, it, I don't have a problem with it from a moral standpoint. If if we wanted to put murderers to death that way, well, they're talking. This person was talking about adultery and things of that nature, and saying, "Okay, so you you're supposed to stone him in the Old Testament for committing adultery. In the New Testament, he meets the woman at the at the well, 
and stops the, the crowd. From doing, of course, what they were trying to do was outside the law was part of it. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, you look at John. I think it'd it's be eight, a lot of fun. I think it's John eighteen verse thirty one. I think is they weren't even allowed to stone people. People uh, typically people who have that are not believers and have questions uh, with the Bible typically are looking for their big out this way i don't have to believe mm-hmm. and, and, and you know the easy theory. way well that's hypocrisy and that's why jesus said that you know that we some people have eyes but they don't see and they have ears but they don't hear and what he meant by that was is that you know everybody's got well i don't know if everybody has eyes and ears and some people are <laughs> deaf and some people are blind physically but you know if you don't use your eyes to see and eyes to hear what do you use them for and what we use them for is to sort and filter and we use our eyes and ears to decide what we're going to believe and what we're not going to believe. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, the fact is, unless you have a supernatural presence within you from the Lord God, you're going to hear things you're not going to ever understand or comprehend because they are a reality that you can't see with physical eyes or hear with physical ears. And Sorry, I didn't, didn't, mean, to chase, right. didn't mean to chase the rabbit down that hole. No, thing. that's all right. That's fine. Uh, I mean, that's something that we'll be doing in the, in the 5 o'clock hour today. And try to help people to understand, you know, they all think that there's all these mistakes in the Bible. There aren't mistakes well, in the think, Bible. I think maybe one of the problems mm-hmm. is a lot of us are inconsistent. A lot of us are hypo- hypocritical in our ideologies. And so, therefore, the, the idea is, well, God, the the Bible, and, and our belief system is hypocritical. No, just because I'm hypocritical doesn't necessarily mean that God is. And so, maybe I'm just misrepresenting um, God in my in my life and whatnot, but that doesn't mean that God is hypocritical. It may just mean that I am. Well, here's, you know, I, here's I, the problem. Let me just see surely. if if Curtis agrees with me. Most people that I talk to that are not Jesus followers, and even some Jesus followers, think of the God of the Old Testament as fire and brimstone, and was has a sitting up on a big throne with a club in his hand, and didn't have any grace for man whatsoever. And then when you go to the New Testament. There, Jesus shows up, and he's God, and he's got all this forgiveness and grace. Folks, he's God. He had all those things, all right? And in the Old Testament, he showed grace as much as he showed in the New Testament. It, it, you just have to, un, you have to read about it. The, old, the God of the Old Testament was no more righteous than the God of the New Testament because they're the same God. It's the same. He's the same God. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh, Exodus 20, verse 6, is, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. There's mercy there in the Old Testament yeah, as well. There's a lot of it. That's there amazing. has to be. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Which psalm is it, Paul? Uh, 86? I can't remember which one it is now. One of the psalms where uh, David traces all the times that uh, the nation of Israel rejected God, mm-hmm. and then uh, they repented, and God forgave them, and then they did it all again, and they repented, and God forgave them, and then they did it all again, <laughs> did everything wrong again. Well, and, I think you, uh, you can read about that in the book of Judges, I think. Yeah, yeah you can, but I, there's, time a, after there's time one, of the, time. one of the Psalms that traces all that. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was 86, I can't remember. And the... Um, yeah, and the, and the um, accounts of the of the kings as well, after looking at... After, yeah. um, Talk about grace and mercy. Wow. 
Yeah. Even with yeah, within the first Kings, you have Saul and the, and the people are having trouble. Saul himself is having trouble. Then yeah. David kind of brings them back, I think, for a while, and then and David got into trouble. So David himself got into trouble. <laughs> and um, you yeah. know what? I was reading it. Maybe it was Psalm nineteen recently or Psalm fifteen. Uh, I can't remember which one it was now, but anyway, I love the verse. It said that when our when our foolish ways bring us. Uh, when because of our own foolishness we end up in a bad place, then we rage against the Lord. Yeah, you know, we do stupid stuff, and then we blame God for what happens. It's an amazing, it's an amazing human propensity. And, mo- and you talk to most people, and they think of the Bible as two distinct books: the Old Testament, the New Testament. Folks, they're not; they're one and the same book, and they're all about Christ. That's the that's the whole point of it. You know the 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 the, the apostles, when they went out and, and preached the good news, they didn't use the New Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. Yes. And they were able to leave, lead people to Christ using Old Testament scripture, period. Exactly. And, you know, in the first, in the first two centuries. Now, we're, we're chasing a rabbit. We Stay are. with us. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah, the, right? the first two centuries, there was an enormous <laughs> conversion among the intellectuals. Because as the as the first disciples and the apostles left uh, Jerusalem and spread out all over the known world, they carried the gospel of Jesus, and even the intellectuals of those days recognized that what Jesus had was the answer to all those most fundamental questions yep. about life: What is life? Why does it exist? Why am I here? What you know? What purpose do I have? And who is God? And how to have a relationship with Him? And can I? Jesus was the answer to all those questions. There was an enormous conversion among intellectuals uh, to the to the gospel in those first two or three centuries. Well, that's the whole. That's the reason that Paul went to Mars Hill. Yeah, that's where everybody hung out. That we're always sitting around. You know the the the, the I don't know. We'd call them a, a dinner table philosopher or whatever. They thought they knew so much, and uh, you know they laughed at him at first when he talked about a man who rose from the dead. They just couldn't get their hands around that, and then finally they did. And just, exactly. Paul was such a good good preacher anyway. Anyway, we, we've gone too far. <laughs> I've run off, and I'm all I'm into the 5 o'clock hour. I bet you can find your way back. I'm into the 5 <laughs> o'clock hour. i am got to pull the reins in a little bit here. It's uh, a quarter after 3. Let's get a break in. That'll help, and then we'll come back. I want to pick up with these uh, texts that, that they've lost, and when we come back, uh, you can go on our Facebook page, 96, is it the Dave Ellswick Show? Is that Dave Ellswick Show, All please. Right. Go to the Dave Ellswick Show, and we're going to Facebook Live on. So you can, if you want to see me, you'll get a chance here in about uh, four or five minutes. I'm looking at Russ. He says, I see you all the time. I don't want to see you. I know <laughs> you get to see right. how ugly we are. So anyway, bottom line is, uh, don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. RD is not here today. Uh, Curtis has been good enough to sit in for him today and, and, and does a great job. It's a lot of fun having him back in the studio again. Paul, Elizabeth with me today. But call uh, RD over at Sunny's Auto Salvage, 982-7451. Most people, when you talk auto salvage, they think about, you know, I need a rim or, you know, I need a um, a tail light or I need a, you know, front uh, grill or something like that. Well, they also carry the really big parts like engines and transmissions and uh, all the, all that kind of stuff. Plus, 
RD over at Sunny's Auto Salvage has the people, the mechanics, to install all of that into your car from a well-maintained total loss vehicle. I did this just a matter of a few months ago with a 2009 Corolla I have and uh, was looking to rebuild the transmission on it. And I was talking to RD about it. He says, don't rebuild it, Dave. Get a virtually almost new one to one of these total loss vehicles. And it was well under 20,000 miles that this transmission had on it. His people put it in for me, gave me a three-year warranty, parts and labor, and unlimited mileage on the the part. And uh, it's been running like a top. Uh, Val, who's on my show on Thursdays, she had a motor put in. The folks over at Sunny's Auto Salvage can take good care of you. All you got to do is call them 982-7451-982-7451. Spouse 1408 and a surviving spouse $1153. The bottom line is you got to have somebody will help you put all that paperwork together and do it in exactly the correct way so that uh, you'll be able to uh, get this uh, aid and attendance uh, benefit program. Get a hold of Kimbrough Stevens. He'll help you out with that. Uh, it's a no-risk consultation. Phone number for 501-400-8250 or uh, visit him on the web at J- uh, Juris Law Group. That's J-U-R-I-S-T Law Group, one word, dot com, and they'll help you through all of that. Okay, I've been told by uh, Elizabeth now, we're not, we can't get on. It says I have a low network connection. Uh-oh. I'm going to give it a different hmm. shot. We'll try. Okay. Again. We're going to try this out. They're going to try We're going to try to get on Facebook live. So is that a so connection for this. a low network or is that a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that? we had pretty good network in this building. I don't know what that means. Are you talking about Zuckerberg? <laughs> I can try it. I can try it. <laughs> oh, that must be it because we're conservative. It's not going to let us do live. I can try it with mine here. That might be the case. I don't know. Anyway, well, I'm logging on as Dave. So. All right. Okay. Let me let me run through here that we've got Elizabeth here. We've got Curtis here and we've got uh, Paul here. Uh, the power panel in today. RD not in today. He'll be back with us next week. And uh, Curtis has been uh, kind enough to uh, join up with us today here so in student semi studio. power semi power. So I, I got uh, my live my live feed to work. So if y'all want to go to go to Paul Calvert, you can see the see the live video here. So okay. I'm not sure what's maybe it's a a, a different um, device that's making the difference here. You know, Dave, are we gonna are, are we gonna talk about the shutdown some more? Because there was yeah. one really remarkable thing about the shutdown that I don't know how much has been discussed. Okay, so. I'll tell you what, well, uh, looks like Russ stepped out of the studio. Okay, go ahead. Well, and I'll come I, I, back to what I got. One of the things I think it was remarkable, remember the shutdown when Obama was president, when he closed down the memorials and closed the national oh, yeah. parks? This shutdown was exactly the opposite. I mean, Mr. Trump worked hard not to what's called weaponize the shutdown. <laughs> I mean, he kept the parks open as much as he could. He kept the national monuments open as he could. He didn't, he worked hard to not make or not let the shutdown be so inconvenient and so abusive to American citizens. That was a remarkable difference in my mind. Well, I, I've always thought that that was a cowardly thing to do. Oh, yeah. By any That's a ad- generous word. Any, any administration to shut down the national parks and whatnot because there's a million other things that you can shut down without shutting down the things that are being uh, – 
you know, provided by the nation's taxpayers. And to do things like shut down the outdoor monuments in Washington, D.C., which basically required no funding. Nobody to be out there. Nothing at all, but you still put barricades up and block them. Just to be a jerk, basically. Yeah, well, yeah, they were really jerks at that time because I remember it was during that time that we here in Arkansas were sending World War II veterans to the World War II. Yeah, the honor flights to the... The World War II Memorial, and some of those people were met at the memorial with police barricades and park rangers saying they could not enter in to the, the, the memorial. And this was the one chance that many of these people who were in their 80s had the chance to go into the memorial and, and see it. And this administration handled all that completely yes. opposite. The other thing this administration did, which I thought was phenomenal, was they had the OMB publicize uh, a contingency plan if the if the government shut down and list which offices and which positions were not essential and which ones were essential so the agencies knew all this in advance totally opposite to how the obama administration handled that shutdown the last shutdown that occurred when, during his presidency i think that's all worth noting because that says that it's, i think it says a whole lot about the motive and uh, and, and what's the other word i've lost it uh, the the motive and um, the purpose for this administration in s- such stark contrast to the previous one. Well, and I, and I agree with that because that's always here. It's it's been done before. It's done during the Clinton administration as well when Newt and, and, and the president got uh, got sideways, got their noses sideways, and they closed the government down. And the same thing happened, and it, and it happens uh, continuously, basically with Democrat led administrations that's true that's a perfect i had not heard that term weaponizing uh the shutdown but that's exactly what it is it's using it against the people that's what obama did with irs the justice department the fbi the epa food and drug administration he weaponized all of that against we the people now trump's having to fix it Thing is, if you're if you really are a strong believer in big government, why not use it to force other people to comply with your wishes? I mean, it, it, if that's what your if that's what your principles are, and it, and seemingly <laughs> okay, so that's what if that's what your principles are, why wouldn't you, um, why wouldn't you um use it in, in a manner to to fight against your enemies? Why wouldn't you abuse the power of government, or in your your mind, use the power of government to force people to comply with what you believe? Okay, now I'm going to play something for you guys that you won't believe when you hear it. This is cut number five, Russ. CBS on the Democrats ending the shutdown, making the statement, this is a White House victory. Major Garrett at the White House now. Major White House reaction? That this was won largely on President Trump's terms. The White House made it abundantly clear over the weekend that there would be no negotiations over the issues that our colleague Nancy Cordes just described, DACA and those other immigration-related issues, as long as the government was closed. The government will reopen without any resolution of those underlying immigration issues. And many Democrats watching this process from the sidelines are asking out loud, what was the point of a three-day shutdown? Well, it was to test relative political strength. And in this first engagement with President Trump over the high-risk strategy of pursuing a shutdown, Democrats on Monday, after a three-day shutdown, have relented, accepted nearly all White House terms. So this can only in the moment be viewed as a victory for President Trump 
on the shutdown issue itself and the attendant pol politics around it. Whether or not he wins and prevails on the immigration debate to come is still an open question. But for now, this is a White House victory. Wow. Now, I'm going to say if that had been anybody but Major Garrett, we probably wouldn't have heard that. Everybody understands where Major Garrett came from, right? From Fox News. Yes. And he's got a little bit of a conservative streak in him, and he was able to be honest about that. And it was. It was a White House victory. It was a Democrat defeat. It really was. That's why Schumer kind of been hiding out lately. Well, the Republicans, <laughs> the Republicans, interestingly and fortunately, were able to make the Schumer shutdown stand. Yeah, stick and stick on him. Yeah, and uh, that may have been one of the big reasons that it was resolved as it was because right. it was known even in mainstream media as the Schumer shutdown. Yeah. And I think Trump is maybe a, a big factor here that. The guy's good at negotiating. I think that's just kind of the thing is love him or hate him. The Republicans need to learn from Trump and, and learn how to win. Yeah. Because Republicans have a tendency to start off asking for very little and then end up maybe with actually losing ground. The Republicans yeah. have never figured out that they're not the losing party. Okay. We are in control <laughs> and they're still acting like we're the minority party trying to appease everyone instead of using the power we've got and getting out there and getting it done. All right, we got to get a break in. When we do this and uh, bring you up to date with uh, Fox News, then we'll pay some bills, and then we'll be back to talk some more. And we're going to talk about those FBI techs that have disappeared, which goes into, like, the dog ate my homework. We'll talk about it. Uh, another guest already from Monday at 3 o'clock, and Alan Kerr is going to be with us, commissioner, the insurance commissioner here in, in Arkansas. So we'll talk to him and see what... Uh, he's got to report to us uh, about uh, insurance here in, in the state uh, of I had lunch with him yesterday. He, he said that most states have, are down like to just one insurance company. We've got three. And he he's going to come on and explain why we're able to do that. He says when an insurance company uh, comes to Arkansas and wants to do business, they work as hard as they can to make it feasible for that insurance company to do business under our rules. So uh, that that's, you know, that's kind of uh, the way that you're supposed to regulate things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you have regulations, you can say, you know, okay, these are the regulations we have. Now let us help you to be able to do business here. That's, that's the way you bring businesses to the state. So Alan to join us and, and we'll talk to him. He's a really good guy. Uh, the other thing that I think that he wants to do is he loves, sitting in as a guest host oh he does yes so he wants to he wants to be a guest host i think i'm gonna let him do february 16th uh coming up in next month because 15th is my birthday and it's it's i consider it a big one it's 65th so uh i think i'll and then my my grandson's birthday is the 17th i've forgotten that we have birthdays adjoining yeah when's your the 16th yeah the 16th So you're um, you're a day older than me. Eli is the seventeenth. There you go. I'm I'm old, man. And on the eighteenth is my other grandson, wow. uh, Max. So man, I kind of fit put, in the family. Put them all right in there, you know. <laughs> Have a big blowout at the Ellswick household. That'd be a lot of fun. Have Was a big all in cake. February. These were all in February. Fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth. All great presidents were born in February. That's right. Oh. <laughs> that's ex hey, that's true. The best president, definitely, Washington, <laughs> yes. was born in February. 
And we and see, I'm going to take that way. I'll get a five day weekend. Or are we at Facebook? Hi, everybody. Good to have you with us. But yeah, <laughs> bottom line is, uh, you know, Washington's birthday used to be everybody celebrated Washington's birthday. I don't understand. Instead of President's Day, why we don't do still Washington's birthday? He's the father of our country. You've been in my office, and, yes. and, and Elizabeth, you've been in my office. What's the biggest picture that I have in my office? It's George. George Washington. I mean, I have the utmost respect for what that guy did and what he believed in. Yeah, how he did it. Yes. yes. And, and how he did it and, and what he believed in. I mean, they wanted to make him king. And he said, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> I'm going back and grow hemp. <laughs> he did i'm not gonna smoke it i'm gonna make it into rope wow uh, that's what he, well, that's what he did he right. made rope it just just goes to show that th- today our federal government would put our founding fathers in prison you can't yeah. smoke camp yeah <laughs> they put you in, in you prison just try for growing to smoke it. it here's why you can try you try to smoke it and then you call me the next day after you get over the headache <laughs> so you've been there done that huh? i, I wanted to ask why you knew that but uh, i won't hey i have smoked my share of Tea ditch leaves. weed and we used to call it ditch weed you know nasty stuff i'm just telling you nasty nasty stuff you just have to be careful whatever you smoke in kentucky just saying that's where i went to college at elizabeth oh i know you that you're trying to it's add like kentucky, that together huh? what? yeah i went to college in kentucky ah. and that's where i did Look, it's no, it is no uh, surprise to anybody who's listened to this show for the 17 odd years I've been on that I use drugs. And I, it's not something I'm proud of, but I don't, I don't say I didn't either. I don't say I didn't inhale. Yeah, I did marijuana. I just didn't inhale. You know, yeah, you're right, lying. Right. Liar. That's what you're doing. You're lying, you know? So, uh, it was about four years of that. And then I came to my senses. Yeah. You know what, what did it, Curtis? I got up one morning and the way my, my little brother and I from fraternity started our day off, we, uh, we, uh, shared a trailer double wide there at the, uh, at the university. It was off campus, of course. And, uh, we'd get up in the morning and drink two beers and take two shots of Canadian mist. And that's the way I started my day. And one day I got up and we didn't have any Canadian mist and we didn't have any beer. And my hands were shaking. Uh, and I said, I'm done. Well, I so quit. You, so you started off intoxicated. I quit. Yeah. Wow. I was always intoxicated when I went, hard to, went party. to class. Party hard. Yeah. And I won't get into the Midnight Reefer Club or any of that stuff. Mm. It was all all part of it. I was a uh, heathen. You know, I, how many people you know, do you know from back then who did not? None very few no, i know I one i can't one. even say i can't even say one the reason i say the back people then, i associated with everybody did that we we were in that era i mean yes. 70s early 70s everybody yep. around me yeah yes sir i'm reading the uh, biography of saint francis of assisi and he started his life just like that really i'm, I'm not saying he smoked Two beers but he his life began as promiscuous as you can imagine and then and, god gets a hold of you man talk about changed good night i'm yeah. reading his 
biographer right now, and I'm just, I'm just so blown away by you know what Saint Francis. It, it sounds like uh, George Thorogood and the Destroyers to- uh, song, two shots, two beers in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like something you'd be singing. And you actually yeah, made man. good grades too. I did make good grades. How did you well, do I that? Did, uh, you get to the point where that's just the way you are, where you're mm-hmm. at. Well, so you, you sober. You became sober. As the day went on, I sobered up. Sobered Let's put it up. that way. Well, I could take the day. By about three in the afternoon, I could put up with all the idiots that were all around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. It's uh, 341 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm, I, we've got time to start this. I wanted to play one more uh, piece of audio dealing with the, uh, the government shutdown. In fact, about the reopening of the government. And... Uh, my friend and now Vice President Mike Pence had uh, had this to say. President Trump made a commitment to build a wall, and he won a national election with that as a central promise. And, and, and the American people want to see border security and a border wall. But I want to also say the American people also want to see us with compassion solve the DACA issue and solve the issue of the status of hundreds of thousands of Americans who were brought into this country as children through no fault of their own. I truly believe now that we've reopened the government, we're going to be able to bring parties together. And, and I know, having spoken to the president since the government reopened, he's absolutely determined to take what was a clear win for the president, a clear win for Republicans, and make it a clear win for the American people. There you go. That's my guy. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm good friends. If you didn't know, I'm good friends with Mike Pence. We worked together in Indianapolis at WIBC and he, yeah, if you told me he's going to be vice president, then I wouldn't have believed it mm-hmm. because he hadn't, he wasn't even thinking about running for Congress at that time. But the bottom line is he's a very astute guy, very smart. And you want somebody with good character. You can't look any further than Mike Pence. It's true. I mean, you know, everybody remember when they made fun of him because he wouldn't have dinner. That's what I was just thinking about with a, with a woman if his wife wasn't there. How provincial! How ridiculous! Yeah. Until the Me Too popped up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and he wasn't on the list. Yeah, he's not. He's on not the list. on the list. He's not mm. on Ashley Madison either. Mm. Just saying. But the bottom line is that uh, he's a great guy. I hope. Fingers crossed uh, that maybe he's going to be at CPAC to speak. Maybe I can sneak back in the back and get five or ten minutes with him. Oh, hope be you fun. get to do that. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I'll never forget, what was it, when we were down in um, Louisiana, they had the, uh, the South, I don't know, Southeastern. Southern Leadership Conference. Southern Leadership Conference, and we were down there, and we were doing the show, and uh, he was Congressman Pence then. Mm-hmm. And he came walking in, and his handlers were saying, no interviews, no interviews, no interviews. And Mike saw me, and he goes, hey, Dave. Came yeah. over and talked to me for a half hour. You know, yeah, he's that kind of guy. Yeah, he is. He really, and he he doesn't forget. That's he does what's it. really cool about him. He's I the same forget. everywhere he is. You, is what I've noticed. Him, yeah, I got to be on the platform on the same program with him one time several years ago, which was a phenomenal. He's treat. a cool dude. Phenomenal treat for me. You know, so I was I was what thrilled. you see is what, what you, you get. get. That's mm-hmm. Exactly, right. and that's and that's good. That's what you should get. And that's what the American public's hungry for right now. Yeah. So, you ready for the lineup of speakers so far, Dave? Yeah, who we got? Ajit Pai. Okay. Ben Shapiro. Okay, Janine now Borelli, let's stop. The Governor first, Matt Bevan. Hold on. Governor Paul LePage. Hold on. First guy that he mentioned 
is commissioner of the FCC. He's an FCC commissioner. Agit Pai. I was going to let people know who Agit Pai was. Okay, go ahead. After Governor Paula Page, then we have Ambassador John Bolton. Ariel Davidson, I think that's how you pronounce her first name. Mm-hmm. Tom Borelli, Dana Loesch, and Gordon Chang so far on the panel. That sounds good. That sounds good. I can I can uh, just about guarantee everybody that uh, former Ambassador Bolton will join us on the show. He has the third year in a row. Three, yeah, three years he's done that, so I expect that he'll he'll stop by and, and sit down and talk with us. He's a great guy. I love listening to that guy. He just makes so much sense, and he gets through all the all the crap. I wish Nikki Haley would come and speak. Boy, She's has she? Be out of the country, I'm sure. She, oh yeah, well, she has proven. She's rocking. She has proven so many people wrong. They thought that she was going to be a terrible, terrible secretary to the UN, and she, she has been as good, in fact, maybe better than Jeannie Kirkpatrick, and that, my friends, is saying a lot. It is indeed. She's, yeah, she's been a superstar there, I think. I do too. I believe that. Yeah. Let me just point out she's a woman. Okay. All this comment about Trump is so, you know, misogynist and he's horrible and all this. Women have made more advances in his administration. He's got, I mean, look at Kellyanne Conway, the first woman to ever run a successful presidential campaign, and Nikki Haley, and yet they want to criticize him. Yeah. Well, yeah. A little Sarah there. Yeah. Sarah rocks. <laughs> she's been she, doing she, the job. she regularly makes mincemeat of the press corps. It's oh. very entertaining. She's been good. She learned she's well from rocking. her daddy. She's yeah. rocking. She learned she's, well from her, her, she, her dad. Yeah. Superstar. All right, let's get a break. So, uh, take a break. When we come back, let's talk about those FBI texts that they lost. The dog ate my homework. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, just confirming tomorrow at 3 p.m., uh, John Bozeman will join us by phone from Washington, D.C. We'll talk about the shutdown of immigration. Uh, we can talk about uh, FISA. We can talk about these missing texts. We can, there's, it's not like there's nothing to talk about right now. There is a ton of stuff to talk about. So uh, the senator will join us tomorrow. We're working on Senator Cotton. I'm meeting with uh, French Hills people and Bruce Westerman's people Uh over a working breakfast in the morning. So we got got a lot of stuff going on with our elected officials. And I try to keep up on what's going on so I can pass it on to you and then get them on so they can talk directly to you. So keep that in mind. Bruce was on last Friday. And uh, if you didn't hear earlier, we we were talking about that memo that everybody is buzzing about in Washington, D.C. And Bruce said he has seen it. The, The congressman says, I've seen it. And he said it's damning. That was his words. And if you want to hear, mine. if you want to hear what he had to say, we've got that link up on your social on Twitter. Yeah, you go to go just so go, you can go right just there. Just go to ninety six five FM. The answer and in the the little special words area. Just type in Dave Ellswick. You go right there. Is that the exact way it works, Russ? Yeah, go to the uh, go to ninety six five FM. The answer dot com in the keyword search. Type keyword in Dave, and it should get you to your page. Last thing I think about is I'm a keyword now. <laughs> it's kind of scary. You're key something. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. Well, it, I got to talk about that with uh, the senator as well. See if he's seen it. I mean, he won't tell us what's in it if he's seen it, but he'll tell us if he thinks it's as 
as important and as crucial as a lot of people think that for the American people to see. All right, so. Why would they keep it secret anyway? I mean, it's, it's, it's part. Classified it, information. It is. There's classified stuff in it. There, And uh, the head of that intelligence committee, I, I forget what the guy's name is. He must release it. Devin hmm. Nunes. Is it Nunes. 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 Yeah, Nunes. It seems to me like the 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 um the standard should be that everything is 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 visible unless there's a very good reason for it not to be open to the public. Well, well, because they're that's kind of Paul. What I'm trying to right. say is there must be a good reason that they're not letting it out. There like, might be names in there. That yeah, maybe so. They but, may they may have to go in and strike out or something. But, Considering Somebody the fact was that actively on the the field or something, maybe so. But the thing is, though, that considering the fact that they're the government, should we maybe just assume that maybe they're just trying to cover something up? Well, I don't know. I understand that they're supporting information that goes with the memo, and it may or may not be accurate. But what I saw on Twitter is that they're looking to vet some of that supporting information. Some Republicans are causing calling for the supporting information to be released as well as the memo to bolster the. Um, remarks that are made in the memo. In other words, they're saying you need to see the supporting documentation to know that this is really real and it's not just somebody making a statement. All right. So what we have going on in Washington right now is these FBI, uh, these texts that have been lost. Was it 50,000? Lost. Is it really? 50, lost. Was it, it 50,000? They think. Was maybe. Is it what I heard, like 50,000 texts? Maybe. I mean, this is bigger than the, what was it? Was it 18 minutes of tape that was 18 erased? minutes with Nixon, and look with what Nixon. happened there. <laughs> what was that? Like, that lady's name was Lincoln, wasn't it? Oh, boy. You're talking about I the remember secretary. How they, I, yeah, You're I, talking I, about the secretary, aren't you? I, I'm trying to think. That John F. Kennedy's secretary was... John F. Kennedy's secretary? Yeah, it was... I'm trying to think of her. I, it seems to me it was... Ooh. I forget how it goes. It, 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 it's a very interesting convolute of coincidences of the names oh. that were involved in all of that. Nixon, it's, Nixon's yeah. secretary was Rosemary Woods, yeah, Rosemary who said, Wood. I erased some of that, but not all of that. Yeah, remember how they showed how she had to do it? You remember had, she had to, like, have her butt on the edge of her chair <laughs> and be leaning out with her toe on the button mm-hmm. to erase the uh, the tape. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, it was crazy. I mean, that was a crazy time in this country. And I go back to say, people say, what makes you a good talk show host? Age. <laughs> it helps. Just living. Right. <laughs> Just living because you, I lived through all of that. Yes. You know, I, I remember, I can remember that pretty much as if it was yesterday. I remember saying, you know, we want to know, you know, what do you know and when did you Forget it. And all these years later, <laughs> yeah, all these years later we're asking the exact same question. Yes, always. How much did what you know did and when did you Curtis? know it? I, I what did recall. I say to Curtis today in my text to him? What did I yeah, say to you? Right. <laughs> you said that you only knew about the shutdown yeah. and that Jan Morgan's running for government. And what did I say? You said nothing's changed. <laughs> nothing's changed. <laughs> Nothing. Same old, same old all the time. That's exactly right. All right, so Trey Gowdy talked about this, about these FBI tests, uh, texts, and uh, he mentioned the anti-Trump. And this is an interesting term that's jumped up in some of these these text messages, the secret society. Uh, Congressman Gowdy, do you want to expound on the secret society idea? 
Sure, I wish I could. I wish I'd been the one who either sent that text or received it. You have this insurance policy in the spring of 2016, and then the day after the election, the day after what they really, really didn't want to have happen, there's a text exchange between these two FBI agents, these two supposed to be objective, fact-centric FBI agents saying, perhaps this is the first meeting of the secret society. So, of course, I'm going to want to know what secret society are you talking about, because you're supposed to be investigating objectively the person who just won the Electoral Absolutely. College. So, yeah, I'm going to want to know. Con Congressman Gowdy, you know, in terms of that glitch uh, of the missing text messages, those months, are you going to subpoena the phone companies to get those text messages? You know, Martha, Congress is not great at using legal process like subpoenas and search warrants. Of course, we want that. I hope Mike Horowitz, the inspector general, got them. Unfortunately, the way our government's set up, law enforcement is better able to go to communications carriers and get texts and instant messages than Congress is. So, yes, I want them, but I don't want them two years from now. And I don't want them after a, a, a motion to, to to be held in contempt of Congress, I want them sooner rather than later. So either the Bureau needs to find them or we need to, we need to have someone who has uh, really easy access to these text messages, and it may be law enforcement. There you go. So, Dave, help, help me here. I'm, uh, you know, I told you I know that there's been a shutdown, and I know that right, Jan Morgan's right. running for governor. What is the significance of these missing texts? Well, we've seen all these other texts between uh, Peter Strzok. Strzok and Lisa Page. And who are Lisa, they? They're both FBI agents. Okay. Uh, Strzok uh, is fairly well up in the in the chain. He was the agent in charge of interviewing, we believe, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Okay. And, among other and things. And Lisa Page was his mistress. And she was on loan to the FBI from the DOJ. She's an attorney. So these are two FBI agents having an affair yeah. who are both anti-Trumpers. Nobody in Hollywood can write this stuff. I know. <laughs> and they're talking back and forth. Strzok is the one who said that he didn't want to be on Mueller's team because he didn't think there was anything there there. Yeah, right? because he's an anti-Trumper. That's right. Both of them are. What's the def definition of there? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Yeah. Which which one? And then, so, and then, so what you had is all of a sudden they have all they've got like five thousand pages of emails of between, between the, the texts between these between two, these two between there Strzok and Page. There are fifty thousand pages missing. And they talked about this secret society. Now, how, how how long does it take to do fifty thousand texts? It, well, well, it's it not one. It's not one. It's not one I don't think it's one text on a page. Oh, okay. I mean, they must have been hot and heavy at it. That's all I can. Figure. They were constantly communicating yeah. over over their FBI equipment, over their personal Gmail accounts, over I. I-message, which is a different messaging, yeah. over a secret and, messaging app. And the assumption is that these were texts regarding the Trump there's collusion no assumption. investigation. Well, there's no assumption. There's no assumption. They We've were. seen enough of them to know. Oh, okay. They were absolutely <laughs> okay. about the it. The funniest thing he said was that Congress is not very good at investigating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're going to find out how good they are. All right, let's take a break. We'll pick this up when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a 
married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year. And we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T, lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right. And what are you saying, Elizabeth, about a growing conservative (laughs) conspiracy? Are they going to try to pull a Hillary Clinton on us? Well, one of the leading left uh, leftist websites called Vox has now got a headline, the growing conservative, conservative conspiracy theory about those missing FBI texts. We're making up a theory. The fact of it is those texts are missing, period. Yeah, and the and what they've been saying to defend it, well, I'll, here, let me let Jim Jordan explain it to you. I've got got some audio here from, from, uh, from Jim Jordan. Here's what he had to say. Let's talk about what's happening inside the FBI. Congressman, you have been all over this, and now we learn that the FBI is missing months of text messages between two people who were, well, having an affair, but more importantly, talking about how they were going to have an insurance policy to stop President Trump from being president. Yeah, they didn't just, they're not just missing text messages from anybody. They're missing from two key people. Peter Strzok, who ran the Clinton investigation, interviewed Huma Abedin, interviewed Cheryl Mills, interviewed Secretary Clinton, changed the exoneration letter, the now famous exoneration letter from gross uh, negligence, which is a criminal standard to extreme carelessness. Peter Strzok, who helped run the Russian investigation, interviewed Mike Flynn. That Peter Strzok, with all these text messages between him and Lisa Page, where they talk about Trump should not be elected president, we need an insurance policy, he should lose a hundred million to zero now we find out five months of text messages between these two individuals come up missing this is this is you know this is like the dog ate my homework well you know with the excuse they give this is something that is just should not take place so we need to get to the bottom of it and find out what exactly happened <laughs> what do you think about that curtis well well that's unbelievable <laughs> well, that's well. A conspiracy. you know it's uh, I'm, I'm absorbing it but it is conspiratorial and um it does, it it does have the flavor of a coup, which is the word that you've used more than once already here today this, this afternoon. And it seems to me that we're talking about a threat at the very basic foundation yep. of government of the United States. Gov- paid government officials using their power to undermine the political process. Exactly. I mean, how much more treasonous can you get? I don't know. If I do. I see it all the time here at the Capitol in Arkansas. See what? Paid government officials using their um, their, their official capacity to um, to manipulate pol- political well, they're, um, processes. They're, they're sitting in front of a committee, at least it, and it's, it's public. Right. At least yeah, in this case, there, that's a but, a, that's a big difference. That, yeah. That's public. although some of it goes on this, behind closed doors. This is it. all being done on uh, the side, and what uh, we're hearing uh, about this in, memo in a classified is that nature. It's, yeah, that it includes NSA members, CIA members, FBI members. Parts of the Obama administration, maybe Hillary Clinton herself. I mean, this is not good. Well, yeah, this is we're talking about. We're not talking about politicians. We're talking about law enforcement here, which gives it a whole different character and flavor. And let's make you think. Well, I I mean, maybe it should. No, no, but it does. The thing is that it is law enforcement in the Capitol here in Arkansas too. Is the law enforcement themselves are down here? The state police specifically are down lobbying against our rights. Now, this is it's in a public forum, so it's not the same as as um as doing it with a classified secrecy 
thing, but I see it down here too, and it just burns me up. Now, yeah. I'm glad that it's out in the open and not secretive like this, but it, it's still, uh, I think it's a serious breach of the of the um, the, the their, their duty and and the, the nature of what they should be doing when they're operating under, with public funds. One of the things we need to look at here is um, from what we see so far and what we're being told, of course, it's hard to know. This is among the leaders at the DOJ, the FBI, the mm-hmm. NIA. This is not the rank and file. And we're talking, supposedly. And now. We're talking Loretta Lynch. Right. Yeah. We see the and, same. and what I'm remembering is late last fall, there was a lot of noise in the media about how the rank and file, after Comey went on and, you know, made them look bad and all, how the rank and file was just very, very unhappy with the leadership of the, of the FBI and so forth and so on. I really want to make a distinction, and who knows the facts, but it looks as though this was a conspiracy at the level of the, the leaders, letter. not well. the agents on the street. I'll further back up my point on that one and back right up to the local investigation that has been reinvigorated into the Clinton Foundation, and supposedly that reinvigoration of the local investigation was because the local FBI agents were not going to sit down and be quiet. So, and I've heard this all along, the local agents, the agents on the street, the ones who are doing the work, who are seeing what's going on, are investigating. It's the upper level, the leaders who are covering up. And, of course, the point is at this point that if all of those folks knew, it was impossible for Hillary Clinton and President Obama to not know. And now and I think Abedin about and all Carol of them. Mills. And now I think about still, I, I still think it's amazing how livid Hillary got when she lost that night. Well, if you believe, as I tend to believe, that this is true, not only did she, and I've said this for a long time, she bought and paid for it. No wonder she was livid. Look how much money. <laughs> it's not just the money. They thought and knew all of this was going on, and it was never going to come to light because she was going to be president. So not only did she not get to be president, not only did they waste all that money, alienate the beast, now it's all coming to light. I really believe this, So they might end up in prison. I really believe this is going to change a lot of things. That would be interesting. I mean, and and to to your point about the leadership, that's my same beef with the state police here in Arkansas. I'm not seeing the rank, rank and file having these same issues, but I do see the leadership down at the Capitol lobbying against our rights, and that burns me up. And, and and I understand it's not the same level as far as the secrecy goes, but but we don't have any hidden emails that prove or, and may have smoking guns. Well, I just right, I still no, think the dates the of these open. missing emails from December fourteenth of two thousand sixteen to May seventeenth of this uh, sorry last year May seventeenth of seven nine, May seventeenth of two thousand and seventeen May seventeenth was the day that Mueller was named special counsel. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit too coincidental for me. I'm sorry. This has happened more than once. The dog ate my homework. <laughs> and it, you know, all these important things, it's Flynn's investigation, you know, the Trump dossier, the all these dog. critical things have happened during that six-month period. And yet, all of a sudden, those emails are just hard to find. If you want to bring this to local politics, uh-huh. we can bring this to the FBI <laughs> agent who took the, too. The, the laptop home and let his kid play games on it on an fbi laptop and supposedly erased important mm-hmm. testimony on the yeah. john woods and case. he may walk because yeah. of that yeah well but nice. now that is an agent it okay was that was a an agent, agent. Yeah. not a upper level person yeah. but i don't understand why that particular agent is still working for the fbi 
That's a good question. Maybe that's why he knows that's, something. That's, that's why. Just like Strzok is in the Human Resources Department now of the FBI. He wasn't wow. fired. Of well. course not. They never fire anybody. Huh? Why would you fire somebody and really tick them off so maybe they find right. immunity and start really yeah, blabbing keep your enemies right. closer. Well, uh-huh. there, there's a lot of corruption that goes on, I'm afraid. And so, and so sometimes you get someone who gets caught, but you can't punish them real hard because they're liable to blab. So here's the question, Curtis. Will Strzok, is he going to be the new John Dean? <laughs> <laughs> well, what an interesting question. Paul's you not know, sure what we I mean. mean he, yeah, Paul is just sitting here. Like, and, huh? you know, what? what? Yeah, that's the reason the Dave one. asked me <laughs> that <laughs> question, <laughs> guys. Yeah, 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 not me. I asked you. You didn't ask me, Curtis. <laughs> but I've always heard it's not nice to mention a woman's age. <laughs> so I didn't want to ask her that. Careful now. I'm going to get offended. I've heard of the James Dean, but I think he was a celebrity. I guess it's not related. Yeah, but Brian is dead. Boy, that's this is going to be a news a, a news story that's going to put Watergate in the shade, isn't it? Already uh, is, I think. It could, and that's what the folks I mean. It really, are really could. This could be this if it starts panning out the way I think it's going to be. There, it, the rest of this year is going to be unbelievable, and some of the biggest names in politics are going to be in deep, as we would say in the military, guys. You remember this deep deep kimchi because what they thought was going to going to work out turned into the biggest foo bar that ever happened mark meadows who's head of the freedom caucus it was reported on the news last week that he turned after he saw the memo to the person sitting next to him and he said i never thought we'd see anything worse than watergate in my lifetime ah. this is worse mark meadows mark head meadows. of the Liberty. after he, after yeah, he I, saw the memo after right he i saw think a lot memo. of mark meadows all right listen. And there's, there's comments all over Twitter, direct comments from these representatives. I mean, their own Twitter feeds where they're putting it out. They're not talking about the details, but they are out well, there they can't. being very loud. They, they can't. No, but they're and making I, and it clear. And I think clear. they're saying these things to put some pressure on exactly. Nunes and others to let this memo out so people will be able to see it. Well, my understanding is the, the procedures have already been started within the House Intelligence Committee by the Republicans in that committee to make this happen. Yeah, it's going to take a long time, though. They're saying to bring it out. maybe by the middle of March. I would hope that it comes out before 19 then. congressional working days is what one fellow said. And, <laughs> yeah. of course, if you look at their working calendar, that could go on for months and months yeah, and months. Yeah, it can. It, it absolutely can. But also, Jim Jordan has said he's pushing. He doesn't want it to be 19 days. All right, got to get a break in. Everything you knew about claiming your Social Security benefits have been turned upside down by the government. New rules for claiming your benefits go into effect uh, for the new year. And uh, they're in effect now, and it can al- should alter your decision on how you're going to uh, take your benefits because if it doesn't, it could end up costing you tens of thousands of dollars in lifetime benefits, higher taxes, increased Medicare premiums, all of that. So get the facts and the updated 2018 Guide to Social Security. Uh, this simple and easy-to-read guide is packed full of up-to-date information for 2018 that could help you avoid losing tens of thousands of dollars in lifetime benefits that are rightfully yours. So get a free 2018 guide to social security. Just be one of the first 10 callers call 501-653-6690. That number again, 501-653-6690. A a new piece of uh, material just coming out. This from Cheryl Atkinson, uh, a piece that she's written. I'll just read some of this. 
former Attorney General Loretta Lynch knew well in advance of FBI Director James Comey's 2016 press conference that he would recommend against charging Hillary Clinton according to information turned over to the Senate Homeland Security Committee. The revelation was included in 384 pages of text messages exchanged between FBI officials Peter Stork and Lisa Page. Say, what is it? Strzok. Strzok. All right. Sorry. Yeah, I don't even want to mention the guy's name. Strzok and Lisa Page. And it significantly diminishes the credibility of Lynch's earlier commitment to accept (laughs) Comey's recommendation, a commitment she made under the uh, pretense that the, uh, the two were not coordinating with each other. And it gets worse. Comey and Lynch reportedly knew that Clinton would never face charges even before the FBI conducted its three-hour interview with Clinton, which was supposedly meant to gather more information into her mishandling of classified information. On July 1st, 2016, as the Lynch announcement became public, uh, Page text, what's his name again? Strzok. Strzok. I'm (laughs) going to just point at you. You say Strzok, all right? (laughs) Uh, said, uh, where is it at? And yeah, it's a real profile in courage since she knows no charges will be brought. That's the text. See, that's the there significance are, of the emails yeah. versus what all's been being said. See? Well. Yeah, there are other revelations within the, within the text messages, but in the cover letter accompanying them, the FBI notified Congress that many additional text messages are missing, which we've been talking about. According to the FBI, its technical systems for uh, retaining text messages sent and received on FBI mobile devices failed to preserve text messages for uh, Strzok and Page from December 14, 2016 to approximately to May 17, 2017. So that was an oops. It just... a glitch. glitch. It was a glitch. A glitch. Hmm. That's the, their word. Yeah, maybe you con- tell the government sometime a, when okay, they're now after here you. It is. Here's, maybe here's a con- the reason. Glitch. All right, here's the reason. Mm-hmm. Many FBI provided Samsung 5 mobile devices did not capture or store uh, text messages due to misconfiguration issues related to rollouts, provisioning, and software upgrades that conflicted with the FBI's collection capabilities. The result was a data that should have been automatically collected and retained for long-term storage and retrieval was not collected. In a uh, letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray sent yesterday to head of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin, called the loss of records, and this is so understated by this guy, concerning. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> you know, on the it. other I, hand, oh, that's all. That's all from uh, there, and there's more from Cheryl. So, so you know, on the other hand, on the other hand, guys, with this kind of ineptitude among the law enforcement agencies, maybe the government doesn't know as much about us as we think. Yeah, they do. Maybe. Or maybe they're focusing too much on us and not enough on the, <laughs> on the, the real thing, criminals. Here's right. the thing, from a nerdy technical point of view, if uh, if you've ever had to put your company email onto your personal phone, you know what I'm going to talk about. You have to set it up in a certain way, and it has to point to the correct servers and so forth and so on, security. In order for that to not be, if I'm an FBI person, I'd almost bet that all that is kind of built into their system, all that surveillance Mm -hmm. and all that double copying and all that extra information. Mm -hmm. You have to deliberately make setting changes 
or deliberately circumvent that for it not to go up and be recorded somewhere else in the cloud. Right. I mean, cause, it's well, deliberate. It does not happen well, accidentally. But even it's possible that one setting could be different, but you have to make several different changes to undo something like that, and it cannot happen in my mind accidentally. Well, I mean, even on your device, your um, your texts get saved. I mean, well, I think, that's what I'm saying. But if you, I, I used to work for the federal government, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of systems that are set up. I mean, just like they are in any other company. I mean, if you have a special sign-on for your company email, mm-hmm. you're probably aware that that has security, you know, tied to it. You can't just go, you know, to a public PC somewhere and just log right on and mm. get into it. It's secure. If the government is not doing something that much, you know, that secure or more secure. Number one, that's just incompetence, but I doubt that that's the case. This was deliberate. Anybody out there with an IT background, Shane Stacks, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. It's not accidental. No, it's not, and that's important and, and for everybody if, to understand. And even if it is accidental, if you've got people with a high security clearance, don't they have a duty to not make accidents like this happen? Well, and that, there's a whole other conversation. There should be a compliance officer just from looking at a security point of view within that agency mm-hmm. who's responsible for making sure that all those checks and balances are in place. Mm-hmm. There is so much. If what they're telling us is accurate and we're to believe every word, mm-hmm. then what they have just proven to us is not only was there a coup, but this particular agency is so totally incompetent that yeah. I can't even begin to speak to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they're just. Maybe they don't they don't care enough about their own personal accountability, and so may, maybe they're willing to let things slide when it comes to their own accountability. They are so crazed by Trump derangement syndrome, they will do anything to stop him, including take our country down, including, you know, what they just did over DACA with the other side, letting mm-hmm. in everybody in the world to try mm-hmm. to dilute our country. They'll do anything. Which begs the question, why? Why are these people so anti-Trump? What's the bottom line here? Some people are saying because he is the one, because of his straight talk, who's blowing the top off of all these dirty games that have been played for years in D.C. But don't you think there's a, something more basic than that, perhaps? I mean, you used the word systemic earlier in the show today. I mean, what's at the what's? I mean, there's something underneath all of this. You know why? I mean, why did Democrats and Republicans hate each other? I mean, what's underneath? What's at the bottom? Hmm. I think it's different visions for the country. Mm-hmm. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. I, I think a, it's a diff- it, different I think shade it, of rose-colored glasses. It's, it's just as fundamental as it gets. Just remember, here. when we all started with the Tea Party job back in 2009, what that started with was they're all cursed. Both sides, they're the same. They're just playing a different game, but they're all playing a game against we the people. And now... We're starting to understand that that whole uh, deep state is not such a, I don't know, fictitious way of talking about what's going (laughs) down. You know what I'm saying? It's serious stuff. All right. We're having a lot more of this to talk about. By the way, uh, a quick message from Sarah at uh, Senator Bozeman's office. They have a meeting that's been called. They won't be here tomorrow at 3, but will be with us at 3 on Thursday. So we'll just kind of 
you, you just got to play, you know, get the walnuts out and try to figure out where the pea's going to end up at. That's the way it always works when you're doing a show. All right, so we'll be back with more here in a moment. We got another half hour to go with the power panel, but first, let's get to Fox News. So, uh, you know, make sure that you take the stress out of buying shoes, all right? Uh, go to New Balance over on Highway 10 because at the Highway 10 store, they will measure your feet digitally. You'll know the length of your feet, which is always important, but you'll also know the width of your feet. And if you know both of those things, you can get into a very comfortable pair of shoes, whether you want one for work, if you want one, you know, just out knocking around, or maybe uh, you need some because you're a runner or whatever. You can get the right size shoe that way. Plus, they stock children's shoes at New Balance that are an extra wide width. And for men and women, they stock New Balance shoes in 2A narrow all the way up to 6E wide. The only New Balance store in Little Rock that makes custom footbeds that give you ultimate comfort. That is uh, the New Balance store right on Highway 10 in West Little Rock. All right, so as we come back, it's this is going to get interesting as it unfolds in front of us. It's going to be just like Watergate. Watergate came out in drips, drips, drips until John Dean went in and broke and broke. Mm -hmm. And when he broke, it all came out then. And then a lot of people went to prison. So, uh, we're going to have to see how this is going to play out before it's all said. You came the right day, Curtis. This is a good day. This is exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting quite an education here, <laughs> which I'm, for which I'm grateful. That's and you didn't have to spend months and months and months. Right. Yeah, all and the you're, you're here and you're hearing about, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, all of these investigations that have been going on now, literally for a couple of years, look like they've, pro- something has finally turned up some fruit. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've been aware of them from the fringe and which is probably where a lot of us <laughs> Uh, we, we stay there yeah, sometimes. Right. Well, we're, and, uh, but I, my listeners and uh, people who watch TV and whatever about politics, look, we are not the majority. No, we not. are a no, very that. small minority. <laughs> right. That's why you know you can tune to this station and know that if there's something like this going on, I'm paying attention to it. But when it, you know, not every day, I'm not going to talk about it because there's nothing new every mm-hmm. day. But today, well, today was huge. Yeah. Today has been huge and it's going to get bigger, it looks like. So now everybody's just waiting for the memo. Hopefully something fruitful will come from it. So I'll be talking to the congressman's uh, liaisons tomorrow and say, so when's he going to talk about the memo? So the senators haven't been shown, though, have they? I don't know. I'm going to find out. Maybe today. I'll talk to to Senator Bozeman. I bet you if there's a memo out there, I bet you I can guarantee you that Senator Tom Cotton has seen it. Yeah, I would guess. I know Tom well enough. Yes. He'll want to see it. Yes. You know, he'll want to know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I find that interesting. All right, so I'm going to turn my attention over to Elizabeth here for just a moment. Then I got something I want to talk to Curtis about as well. We've got the uh, the edge of the, uh, what is it, took? The Reform Alliance. Yeah, Reform Alliance is getting together tonight and for a big uh, brouhaha at the state capitol tomorrow. I think that goes on from 11 to 2, correct? Yep. Okay, National so, School Choice Week. Give us all the information because Mr. Fuller, Dr. Fuller, was on my show last week talking about this. He was great. Of course, he didn't talk about school choice. He talked about parent, parent choice. choice. 
He I believed, love the way he puts that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a bit more appropriate, I think. Because yeah. The, why should schools have choice? It should be. Yes, the parents that are making the choices. There's a community town hall tonight at 6 p.m. This is school choice week. So tonight at 6 p.m. at the Mosaic Church in Little Rock, it's Dr. Howard Fuller and Dr. P. Diddy Wolf. Now, I don't know who that is. Choice. Something like that. P. Diddy Wolf. I, I almost have to go just to Is say he going to rap it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Uh, so so are, the, are the left-wing Democrats who support pro-choice, are they going to be here supporting pro-choice as absolutely far as educa- not oh so, so that it's not really pro-choice then okay okay yeah, just right. do we get that straight well these these two fellas tonight at the uh, town hall are national um advocacy people for school choice or parent choice tomorrow though uh if you can't make it tonight you should come down to the state capitol from 11 to 2 it's the national school choice week rally and that'll be at the state capitol from 11 to 2 i believe that's also lunch Hmm. And some really good speakers. Hmm. So Are they providing down, lunch? They're yes. providing lunch, oh, wow. and you should come down and hear what's being said about parent choice in Arkansas. I wonder if they're giving away another uh, scarf. Hmm. Oh, yeah, like last, that yellow yeah, one over there. See if we had cameras, up. we I could show those. it to you. Yeah. You know, so I, remember, I remember a guy who ran for governor four years ago who had pro-parent choice as one of his... I remember, mm. I remember that. Mm. Mm. I remember that guy. I remember that. You, you, I don't. You yeah, I just have a faint recollection. Yeah, you kind of. Um, yeah, you kind of look. You kind of look like that. Guy. Yeah, well, that guy had hair. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of looks different. Not now. really. He didn't. Pay for. Now you two can do that to each other, can't you? <laughs> anyway, oh. anyway, so you tell you tell me. I know Curtis. You got something going on. Yeah, I'm really enjoying. I'm uh, teaching a course uh, at Little Rock's First Baptist Church, which is out on Pleasant Valley Drive. It's called Apprentice of Jesus, uh, learning how to live life as Jesus would live it if he were I. And uh, it's, it's it's material that the church has allowed me to author and also teach, and I'm enjoying it immensely. And it's at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning in the Fellowship Hall at Little Rock's First Baptist Church. Love to have you come and sit in. Or... If you want to check it out, you can go to uh, a YouTube uh, channel called Apprentice of Jesus, uh, and uh, you can watch their videos of all the all the studies we've done so far on Apprentice of Jesus channel on YouTube. And if you like what you hear, then come join us at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. And there are a couple of home groups that start in February that will be uh, studying the same material, and you want information about those. Just send me an email at Curtis at CurtisColeman.com, and I'll give you that information as well. I, I but like, I'm enjoying this. i got to tell you guys, I'm enjoying this so much. I think the, the, the term apprentice is interesting because the, the term disciple is what we see in the old King James yeah. and maybe, maybe right. some other versions as well. But it's not a term we use in America. Right. But apprentice is something that we kind of understand that yeah. a little bit better maybe perhaps. And, yeah. and so you've kind of. Well, it really defines it really defines the nature of the course, yeah. And it's about discipleship, but it's you know it's learning how to live my life as Jesus would live it if He were I, and uh, that's exactly the concept of an apprentice. Neat. And so um, I'm enjoying it immensely, and and uh, would love uh, love to have anybody that wants I'm to come in and, and kind of come pre- join us or go check it out or just are you we the the, the studies get posted on uh, uh, YouTube every. Um, every week so you can follow it there if you'd like so the idea of apprenticeship or in this case is, is immersion training yes 
Yeah, and actually, it's the, the con- it's the concept of inside out transformation, and the fact that uh, we become like Jesus from the inside out. We don't become like Jesus, and we don't live life as Jesus would live if he were I by trying to keep all the the rules. In fact, we tend to screw things up by making lots of rules, uh, which is what, of course, the Pharisees did. But this is how this is a study of how God changes our heart first and then how the change in our heart, which is also our will, spreads out into our mind and then out to our body and then eventually out into our social relationships, which gets us to the Sermon on the Mount, where we, we, we start loving our enemies and blessing those who curse us and do good to those who hate us. That's because we got changed on the inside first. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, the change on the inside begins to spread out into our relationships with other people. But that happens last. We start out trying to do all that stuff first, but it doesn't work. It doesn't happen because we haven't been changed inside first. So basically, it's a description of that inside-out transformation and how that works out in our life. So, Should be a And the context for it. It's a, I'm having an enormous amount of fun with it and yeah. loving it. And, um, you know, basically, Dave, I'm sharing, you know, what, what I'm being taught as I go through. So loving it. Just to let you know, Curtis is not the political animal he used to be. Not in the same context. No, I'm approaching it from a different point of view. And, you know, we were talking a little earlier about what's, what's, what's the basic difference between Republicans and Democrats. What's at, what's at the bottom of all this division and, and conflict? You know, and, and I, I used to say, and I still say it, because the fact is, is that here we've got the Demo- – I mean, we've got two parties who are basically trying to do the same thing. This promising a different way to get there. I mean, the way I described it is the Democrats want to put a new suit on every man, and the Republicans want to put a new suit on every man. The Democrats want to put a new suit on every man using socialism, and the Republicans want to put a new suit on every man using capitalism. But the the, the goal is the same. The difference here is that Jesus doesn't want to put a new suit on every man. He wants to put a new man in every suit. And that's very that's, good. I like that. That's where I'm living because I know, and I think a lot of people who are listening and, and sitting in this room know, that is what's going to have to change. Yeah, the heart's got to change. Of the, the heart's got to change. Absolutely. So basically, that's where I'm. That's where I'm living. And it's, I mean, it's just, I mean, in that context, I'm very interested in politics. But it's 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 the core, it's the essence of what's got to change in man in our hearts before our country's changed. All right, we got to get a break in. When we come back, I got a story for you that's going to upset everybody. Hope you're ready for it. Dave Ellswick Show. We got about 14 minutes until 5, 5 o'clock. Bible guys are here. And uh, I have gotten a text from Dr. Uh, Scott Stewart, and he will be in studio. Hey, don't forget about Lewis Family Beef. They got their own ranch up there in Greenbrier. All their cattle are born and raised on their ranch. Here's the things that you'll not find in their cattle that you can buy for meat, antibiotics or hormones. Now, you know, sometimes the cow gets sick and sometimes you got to use antibiotics and they do that. However, if uh, they use antibiotics, uh, they do not sell that cow to people for consumption. The uh, cattle are also raised stress-free. What that means, they're out eating grass out in the out in the, the field and clover and things of that nature. They're not like all those cattle you see at the slaughter uh, market that are all in these cage, not cages, but 
uh, feedlots and whatever pushing against each other and the cortisol levels are high in them. Stress levels are high and that makes the meat get tough. The meat stays tender uh, if they're raised stress-free like they are at Lewis Family Beef. You can buy a quarter cow, a half cow, or a whole cow. Find out how that all works by uh, uh, giving them a, a look-see at facebook.com, Lewis Family Beef. Once you buy uh, the cow, uh, it goes to the packing house. Packing house calls you, asks you how you want the meat prepared. You know, do you want four-inch steaks or do you want two-inch steaks? You know, how many of this do you want and how many of that? How much hamburger do you want? And then here's the big deal, too. After it's all done, flash frozen, given uh, off to the Lewis family again, they will deliver it to your home absolutely free. That's Lewis Family Beef. Go to Facebook.com, Lewis Family Beef. Check it out and make sure you put clean beef on your food table. This year, I'm a huge football fan. I probably have watched six minutes of NFL football. That's all I've watched. I haven't watched the game. Haven't had the NFL ticket like I usually do. I I just cannot abide uh, athletes that make millions of dollars taking a knee uh, during the national anthem. It just really, really ticks me off. I mean, pisses me off, to be honest. Well, the NFL rejected an ad from a veterans group that wanted uh, it to be published in its Super Bowl program. They were putting up to $30,000 for this ad that they needed. The uh, full page ad from uh, American vets would have featured a military honor guard holding an American flag and the text hashtag, please stand at the top of the page. Mm -hmm. After many NFL players chose to kneel and protest during the singing of the national anthem before football games, the ad called on players to stand. It also solicited donations. The NFL said it rejected the ad because it made a, quote, political statement. Hmm. The Super Bowl program is designed for fans to commemorate and celebrate the game, players, teams, and the Super Bowl, said NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy in the statement. It has never been a place for advertising that could be considered by some as a political statement. In a letter to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, dated January 22nd, American Vets National Commander Marion Polk said that, quote, freedom of speech works both ways. We respect the rights of those who choose to protest, as these rights are precisely what our members have fought and in many cases died for. But imposing corporate censorship to deny the same rights to those veterans who have, had, have secured it for us, all is reprehensible and totally beyond the pale. And I can say now that I'll never watch NFL football Thank again. Thank you. As a vet, I will never watch another NFL game. I would hope that being an NFL, if you're a vet out there, you'll do the same. Wow. The latest stats I saw is their viewership is down over 15%. <laughs> Well, they keep boycotting. They keep this stuff. Here's what bothers. We don't need it. Here's what bothers me about this. This is the cheap way out. By that I mean this: these guys make huge amounts of money. I'm not saying that every player makes a gazillion dollars, but all of them are making very big dollars. Mm -hmm. 
instead of doing the cheap thing and taking a knee during the national anthem, get out your wallet because that's where your love is. Evidently get out your wallet and, uh, work with the police departments in your, uh, hometowns, get with the youth in your hometowns, get with the organizations with your, uh, in your hometown with your own money and do something. Getting on your knee does nothing. It is the easy way out. It, it's a coward's way out. It doesn't require out. anything from those players except yeah. to be on their knee. You get a, take a and knee. they've got all that notoriety. I'm not a sports fan, as you well know. But it seems to me that if you have that sort of influence, which you do, if you're an NFL player, you've got a lot of a you know, pretty good bully pulpit to work with. Let's use it. Don't take the easy way out. You're showing yourself to be and a very weak other, individual. Here's the other thing that irritates me about this. The Players Association put huge pressure on the owners to pony up big dollars to be used in the neighborhood. Yeah. What's going on with the players, though? And whatever happened you know? with all the tax breaks that the NFL got, gets, got? Yeah, we'll have are to they see still if getting that, them? We'll see if that continues. <laughs> but yeah. I'm just saying, I'm done with them. I'll just watch Major League Baseball. And you're a huge fan. Good for you, Dave. I am. A, You've got I'm, to put your beliefs where I'm your beliefs I'm a huge, lie. huge fan of NFL football. And you can't go home and say, nobody knows what I'm watching at home at night, yeah. so I'll just watch it anyway. That's not correct. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Dave, you and I have watched about the same amount of NFL football. In fact, I'll tell you how far I've removed myself from it. I don't even, I don't even know who's playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Good yeah. job, I'm guys. serious. Good I, job. I, don't, I, don't, I, I know haven't followed that at all. all. I have I, – I, so it's going to be, I'm, I'll just let you know, it's the, it's the Pats and the Eagles. Of all people, the Patriots and the Eagles. The Patriots, Can you believe it? Eagles, yeah. What an ironic year to have the Patriots and the Eagles yeah, in the NFL national playoff. bird and the Patriots. And the Patriots. <laughs> that is interesting. In the, Neil, anyway. in the Neil controversy. But if they can't even put an ad in their program yeah. because... <laughs> It kind of thumbs its nose yeah. at the players. But that beer, tells you who they are. That's pretty bad. But beer commercials are still still just fine, right? Yeah, well, well yeah, yeah. It tells you who they are. And that's right. You know, I don't have any problem with beer commercials. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Just I'm, I, I take exception that their players can be afforded all the, quote, freedom of expression uh, that we can that they can give because the owner said, well, that's their freedom of expression, First Amendment right. Well, how about this ad? They met all the requirements of. The, the amount of money to have it published or anything, but wouldn't be published because they said it's political. going to be our way or the highway. It's political. <laughs> All right. Curtis, thanks for coming. I enjoyed it, Dave. It was thank, fun. Thank you. I had a good time it. today. Had thank a great you. time. I'm going to walk out here knowing a whole lot more than I did when I walked <laughs> and in. And probably going ruined today. Going, <laughs> <"Man>, <laughs> Ellsberg ruined my whole <laughs> week. <laughs> and now I know all this crap that's going on. With, with knowledge comes sorrow. And I sorrow. can't get away. Right. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you for coming in. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having and me. And, of course, to Paul for doing yes, the, the same. The Bible guys are up next. And uh, Dr. Scott Stewart is back. He looks refreshed. He's even wearing a suit. That's kind of scary to me. He must have thought the camera's going to be here today. Anyway, cameras start. I would think that next week we'll start really doing a lot with them. But they're supposed to go in on Thursday. Stay tuned. We'll be back after Fox.
Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right. Final hour, Bible guys in the studio. And what's your name, sir? (laughs) I have a stranger. My name is Scott. Scott. Yes. Hi, Scott. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show, Dave. (laughs) Dr. Scott Stewart is here. He's pastor over at Agape Church. Uh, Don't forget about uh, Agape Church is over uh hold on a second now don't don't say it yet. all right 701 napa valley drive in little rock that's right sunday service time is 10 a.m mm-hmm. their website is aclr.org and uh dr stewart has a twitter account if you have a question you'd like to ask him you can tweet out at him at to, at doctor this is dr scott stewart s-t-e-w-a-r-t correct and uh he'll get back to you i'll just tell you if you if you send him a text or a, a tweet he's gonna tweet right back at you. i certainly will very cool all right so you look refreshed did you get a vision of where the church is supposed to go i did indeed yeah i had uh had a two-week um uh, break to climb the mountain meet with god and uh bring down a good word so uh I've got the uh, the direction and the initiatives that our staff needed to uh, plow into 2018, and I've given them out so far with some a few surprise looks, but uh, <laughs> but that's okay, and uh, it's going to be a good year this year. Okay, so what you know, a lot of people don't understand this. Uh, good pastors mm-hmm. seek the face of God. They do, and they they ask Him to give them a word. Mm-hmm. All right, it can be verbal. It can be within your soul. It can be in any way which God determines he wants to deliver it. Mm-hmm. But many times it doesn't come easily. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, you're a guy, so you don't know what it is to birth a baby, but <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yeah. You know, some people have, um, you know, it's, I think God speaks a little bit differently to different people. You know, those are those who have more than one child, you know, there are certain children you speak to in a certain way because they understand better in that way. Uh, you might have some children who are more hard-headed and you have to deal with them in a certain way. You have other children who are more sensitive, and so you talk to them in a different manner. God's children are, are so varied, and so he deals with us in different ways. Uh, and uh, sometimes it takes longer for some of us to uh, hear properly. Uh, you know, some some kids, you know, they have to they learn the hard way. And uh, unfortunately, Steve, we don't have the cameras in here, but Steve keeps raising his hand as I'm describing difficult children. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, and um, and so, it, everybody has a different way of uh, of hearing uh, from the Lord. The voice, of course, is the same, but the deliverance of that can the way that's delivered is different. So, uh, for me, 
I really need, just needed to hear from uh, hear from the Holy Ghost and and find out what God wanted us to do this year as a as a staff, as a team, as a body, and uh, and I believe I've got that uh, got that word. And it's important, you know. Jesus several times he said to his disciples, you know, they would he would go off alone and pray, uh, or you know. And I've always said this: if Jesus needed to go off alone and pray, then you as a mm-hmm. pastor you need to go off alone and, and and pray. And there were times where even Jesus said to his disciples, he said, "Come away from the people and rest a while." Uh, in one part, I believe it's in Mark chapter two, the Bible actually tells that Jesus hid himself. Mm, yeah. And uh, but then it says, but he could not be hid. The people found him anyway. So he was actually at one point he went into I think um, someone's house and he hid himself in there because he needed that time away to be able to hear and to do whatever it is that he was going to be doing. Well, where was it that they were being crushed by the crowd and they got on the boat and cast off so they could get out in the water? Right. Yeah. And then they went out across the way to be alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus said, said thrust out a little ways from the from the from the shore, and then he taught the people from the from the boat. Uh, and you know, some people think that uh, you know a minister's job is um, you know is um, is a is a is a job where you um, you have to do well. Like I grew up in a church setting where the pastor was supposed to cut the grass, and he was supposed to clean the church. And he was supposed to do all. I mean, he was uh, you know kind of a jack of all trades. But if you really want your pastor to be able to do what he's supposed to do, his job is to feed, to lead, and to protect. Uh, and you can only do that effectively by spending time with the one who truly is the leader and who truly is the teacher and truly provides our protection, and that's the Lord. Okay, last question on yep. this. Mm-hmm. On on some Sunday, do you do you stand before the congregation and say, "Here's what the Lord's asked us to do"? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, I've done that on many occasions. So if I really have a, I know I have a word from the Lord. I'll say, "This is what I feel God is telling us we need to be doing as a congregation this month or this year, whatever the direction is from the Lord at that time." And I'm going to be doing that this Sunday, as a matter of fact. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, Steve, how you doing? I don't want people to think that you're not here. <laughs> I'm here. He just raised <laughs> in his hand. Yeah, he That's was raised. Yeah. Uh, next week, just so everybody will know, you will be able to see these guys Ooh. on uh, 96.5 FM, theanswer.com or Facebook Live. We did a little Facebook Live in today just to give everybody a feel for the show. But the uh, the cameras go in Thursday. They were supposed to go in today. I got a call from the gentleman that was to install. He said because of the bad weather last week, the delivery of the cameras has been hindered by one day. So they'll get here tomorrow. They'll be ready to put them in on Thursday. So uh, a whole new era will start up. So everybody will get to see our beautiful yeah, mug. I'll make places. sure I'll do my you hair. See your mug, man. <laughs> yeah, you do your hair there. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, everybody asks me why I shave my head because mm-hmm. I – I don't like lice. <laughs> this way, I don't ever have to worry about having <laughs> lice ever again. Is that what it is? Uh, no, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, with that said, Dr. Stewart, yes, sir. a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. we had a listener, I think he lives out towards uh, Pine Bluff, question us about, is the entire Bible inspired? Okay, that's the first part of the question mm-hmm. is like a three-parter. Okay. Second part was, if it's all inspired or not just partially inspired, then how do you explain in the Old Testament where the people were uh, taught that for a woman caught in adultery or whatever, mm-hmm. she should be stoned to death. Mm-hmm. But then when you look into the New Testament, a woman who was caught in adultery uh was spared by by Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
and doesn't just show the duplicity of the scriptures. Right. Well, uh, first of all, let me just say that, uh, no, it does not show any duplicity, uh, at all. And yes, the scripture is inspired both, uh, both new Testament and, uh, and old Testament. Um, the story in, in question here related to, um, the lady caught in the act of adultery that's in, in John eight. Um, if you read it, it actually, it actually tells us some, it gives us a, a clue. It actually says, uh, in verse four, it says, and, uh, they, they say unto him, master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And, um, and they brought her to him. According to the law, the law of Moses said when an act of adultery was caught like that, you were to bring both parties. Now, she was caught, the Bible says, in the very act, but they only brought the woman. Mm-hmm. The question is asked to be asked, then why didn't they bring the man? So, in other words, this group of men were testing Jesus, and they were, they were testing him to see if he was truly a scholar of the law. Because if you only brought the woman then they were in violation of the law because the law required both parties to be there. So the really the reason why the woman was was um, exonerated here in a, in a law fashion is because they were violating the law in the first place. Both people should have been brought to Jesus for him to execute judgment in the situation, whatever that would have been. Um, but it's it, uh, it it you just couldn't pop up and just and just uh, accuse somebody. Our our society today, you can accuse somebody of something and then it's taken for fact. Um, but there was a process it had to go through. You had to have a Sanhedrin in place. It had to be looked at by 70 different people. Uh, this was a long, uh, drawn-out process, but they were actually in violation of Scripture here by only bringing the woman. If they were caught if they were caught in the act of adultery, it shows that the man himself or this group of men were uh, were in violation of, uh, of the action anyway. Okay. So, but, and I'll, I'll say this also, that what Jesus did for us, uh, and this is important, what Jesus did for us is Jesus did not... Um, deliver us from uh, the law. I had someone ask me in my congregation uh, not too long ago. I teach on a Wednesday night, and then I give time for questions. And I taught about, I was teaching about the law, and somebody asked the question. They said, if you're saying X, Y, and Z about the law, what do you do with the verse of Scripture that says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law? And my response to that was that he has redeemed us from the curse of the law, but he did not redeem us from the law itself. The law has two things. It has blessings and cursings to it. Cursings are the consequences of violation of the law. Jesus came through what he did for us on the cross. He delivered us from the curses of the law, which were the consequences of violating the law in, in terms of death in that way. But the, still the law and the blessings of the law are still very much intact. All right. So when Christ died on the cross, mm-hmm. okay, the curse that he got rid of was the curse of death, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Eternal he, death. Right. Yeah, there were there were there are several laws in the Bible. One of them is is called the law of sin and death, and he dealt with the law of sin and death on the on the cross, and he delivered us and set us free from that, okay. and and from the consequences of eternal damnation, the consequences that would would follow that type of thing. So uh, that's what he one of the major things that he did for us. I mean, there's so many. Let me ask this question: which it, it, something came up, and we talked about it, and I think the person understood what I was trying to say. And they, and they said, so Christ died on the cross. He completely died. And I said, no, he didn't completely die. <laughs> yeah. His body died right. because Scripture teaches us that after that, he was preaching 
to people in, I guess, was it uh, like the holding cell? That's Abraham, the best way I can put Abraham's it, right? bosom is what the Bible yeah. calls it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he was down there doing it. So spiritually, he never died. That's correct. Only physically did he die. He came mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. and entered back into his body. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, that's important to understand that no one ever really dies, and everybody that's walking the planet is going to live forever. You're going to live forever in one place or the or, other. Or but, the other, that's but right. But everybody lives uh, forever. Your, excuse me, your physical body doesn't live forever, but your spirit man lives forever. And it's going to be in one place or the other. And you get to choose where that's going to be. That's right. And I pray that you choose life. We did. A, we had a funeral today for a lovely saint of God who went on to be with the Lord. Uh, and, you know, she made a decision to choose to be in the right the right place, and that is in the, in the arms of God. Everybody has a choice. All right. So now taking what happened that Christ got back into the body, mm-hmm. all right, in, in Scripture it says that uh, – what is it uh, with the resurrection of Lazarus? Mm-hmm. How is it? It's described as Lazarus was alive indeed. And then it talks about Christ. When the apostles saw him mm-hmm. in the upper room, he was alive indeed. Mm-hmm. And it, it's making it real clear to us at that point. That was actually the physical body yeah. that they were seeing. That's what the indeed is added to the end of the sentence mm-hmm. about, correct? No, I, I think that's probably right. Yeah, I, I think that's the point that they're trying to make, that this is absolutely, we are telling you 100% that we've seen this is not a spiritual thing, which later leads them into discussion saying, I forget which book it's in, where they said, if anybody says to you that he did not physically resurrect, then this person is an antichrist. Talking to the Gnostics. At yeah, that was yeah. in... First, right. first John or second John. Yeah. And so Wasn't there, that the Gnostics? They said that, that was a Gnostic he, philosophy yeah. that they had that had infiltrated into the uh, into the church. Because right. yeah. mm-hmm. right. I mean, everything that we believe is hinged on the resurrection, not just his teachings, not just him coming, but the fact that he, he got rose. back up. Right. Mm-hmm. That's enormous on our faith. It is the thing that matters the most. And so they were making the point that he did absolutely rise. We saw him. We saw Lazarus. And, absolutely. And that's why. When Lazarus was risen again, he told them to untie his bindings so that they could see him walking again and see he was alive yeah. indeed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, little words. I mean, that's, <laughs> just, that's a, one little word, and it means so much Yes, yeah. when you're thinking about it. Yeah. Now, I got you off of that whole thing of what we've been talking no, that's, about. No, that's completely cool. You know, going back to this whole thing uh, that you're talking about, whenever— the apostle Paul took the gospel into Greece. Remember the story about the unknown God? Yeah. Okay. And Paul goes through this whole, this whole uh, sermon. And then he says, he tells about the resurrection and he says, we have proof uh, that Jesus is the Messiah. And they were like, okay, what proof is that? And he said that he rose from the dead and And they laughed at him. Yes, they did. And the fact is that the proof of all this thing is intrinsically tied to the resurrection. If you get rid of the resurrection, what did Paul say? He says, if Jesus did not rise, then our teaching's in vain. That's right. Yeah. So it, it is, it is the, the linchpin for, for, for what we do and why we do it. Yeah. And we're coming up on the resurrection story, going to be coming up in, uh, in April. Yep. We should be talking about Passover here in a few, in a few weeks. Yeah. Well, we got to. That's a beautiful story. It's, it, I've been told they're looking to make sure there's no no problems but the the seder mm-hmm. there at new life church probably april 25th that's the weekend before easter 
Right. You mean okay. March twenty March March twenty fifth. Yeah. March twenty yeah. fifth yeah. 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 right. before. Yeah. Because I just some of us had thought about well maybe we should do it on Easter Sunday and I thought no 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 <laughs> people are going to be doing a bunch of other yeah, stuff. Yeah, that would be a bad Sunday. Yeah. We'll be out. Looking for Easter eggs. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, well get, hopefully after we teach them. I was going to say, <laughs> we're giving them a chance to learn it right. Be, they won't be doing that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's not that far away. No, it isn't. Can you believe that? You Time know, it's, is been, it's many years since we had to stay around the first one out at New Life Church. Yeah. It's not that far from it. Well, man. That's amazing. That was a good time, though. Yeah. A lot of water under the bridge. A lot already, of water. Huh? A lot of water, yeah. You have, you had a grandchild since then? Yeah. I'm going to be having one in a couple of weeks. Another one? Yes, another one. Number Good for you. Number six. My daughter is, uh, she's already uh, getting ready. They're going to, uh, uh, if she doesn't have it by herself, they're going to induce her on the 5th of February. I always so. I always kid my daughters when they were pregnant, mm-hmm. when, you know, the belly button typically pushes out. And they yeah. go, oh, that's like that, uh, the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the baby must be ready. <laughs> Well, anyway, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. Uh, We need to get the break in because we're going to run out of time if we don't, and then they'll be mad at me. We'll be back with more. The Bible guys are here. You got a question? 8230965. 8230965. If you're one of those folks that thinks that the Bible's duplicitous, that there's things that are wrong in it, give us a call. Let these guys talk to you about it. 8230965. All right, back with you. We've got a uh, email question. We've got probably time to kind of read the question and touch a little bit, and then we'll have to wait until the second half hour to answer it. So let me turn it over to you guys. Okay, so this is uh, from one of our faithful listeners, Pixie. Says, uh, so the Jewish perspective is like there are steps to conversion and righteousness for the Gentiles. Uh, the, I don't remember that one, Erit. Um, just starting and getting to the awareness of God, but then there's the Gertoshav, which is the resident foreigner who is learning, but not, but not quite with it. Um, As and then, only Pixie can say, right? Um, <laughs> like learning and growing, and then finally there's the Gerzadik, which is the righteous foreigner, stranger, which also is used sometimes for a full convert. What is the pastor's impression of these, and how we relate to being? "Quote unquote fellow citizens of Israel," according to Ephesians twelve. So um, I always like this one uh, since we the congregation that we started the Sabbath congregation we named after Ephesians two twelve Ki um, Lat Yisrael, which is from the Commonwealth of Israel and from Ephesians two. And so I answer this question based off of the uh, who could keep the Passover out of Exodus twelve, and it lists a foreigner, a sojourner and a stranger who dwells. And these are the ones, that the categories that were given. And the foreigner and the sojourner were not allowed to keep the law, or I'm sorry, not, they were not allowed to keep the Passover, but only the stranger who dwells. And this, and the, these first two, the foreigner and the um, sojourner, fall in this category that she first asked about, which is known as the Gertoshav. And these are um, like a temporary resident or a foreigner. These are people who are basically hired help, or temporary dwellers with the people of Israel. They had not forsaken their lands and joined Israel. However, the stranger who dwells, which is the which would be the uh, Gertzadik, the righteous person, this is the one who has forsaken their lands and has actually become part, and then they, they become circumcised, and then they're able to actually keep the Passover. We, as believers, 
have forsaken our nations. This is why it's really not good to refer to ourselves as Gentiles, because Gentiles are people of the nations. We are uh, people who have left the nations and joined ourselves to the commonwealth of Israel, and there's not a step or a step to conversion like how the Jewish people might look at that. As soon as you are born again, you are born into the commonwealth of Israel, but just like, um, well, there you got to grow uh, into certain forms of righteousness. There, you are immediately born again, but then we are becoming remade and renewed, and uh, and they may look at that as steps to conversion, but that is more of a sanctification process, is how we would kind of label that. All right, hold your thoughts. Okay, we'll pick it up again after Fox News. Fox News is next. We'll catch up in about sixty seconds. What's the big story that's going on right now? Then we'll be back here with the Bible guys. All right, back with you. Uh, I didn't even know basically kind of what we were even talking about just a moment ago. To be honest <laughs> with you. So I'm, I'm going to turn it back over to, to, to Scott. It, it sounds like, you know, it, I thought, according to, to Acts, mm-hmm. if you're born again, if you're a Jesus follower, mm-hmm. they gave us the four things that we had to follow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been grafted into the vine. Yeah. Uh, that seems pretty simple to me. Yeah. It sounds like somebody's trying to make something simple to be very complex. Right. Well, um, what uh, what Pixie's referring to here is there are, when you, made, when you talked about uh, the, the Ger Sadiq and the others, the, these, are, these are, are terms that were given to uh, different levels of commitment that Gentiles made to enter into the family of Israel. For example... You could be a follower of the one true God, yet not go all the way into being circumcised as a male. So that would qualify you in one level. But if you went all the way and were circumcised, then you would be called another level. So it really is a more or less of a, a rabbinic tagging, in a way, of uh, different levels of commitment. But once Jesus came and we accepted him, we those things were really not... Um, uh, um, I mean, there's obviously different levels of commitment people make today. But when we accepted Jesus as our Messiah, we became, as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we have become fully joint heirs with Christ. So so um, those particular old taggings uh, I don't see as being as as relevant in, in uh, as far as classifications as I do seeing the full integration into the into the household of Israel through the faith um, in the uh, in the Messiah. So uh, I would just in, encourage you, Pixie, just to go ahead and just to put those things more or less to the side and just uh, be uh, fully understanding that we are engrafted into uh, the Commonwealth of Israel. We are now fully and functioning a part of uh, the seed of Abraham. He is our father, and uh, to actually take on yourself. Um, the the yoke of Messiah and to follow after him fully. Unless Steve, you want to throw something else in there? No, no, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So yeah, it, sometimes it, you, if you if you take too much uh, from uh, rabbinics and put it in, it it can kind of muddy the uh, waters a little okay, bit. Okay, just to clarify everything. Yeah, it just is. Yeah, go it, back go back to the New Testament and read in Acts. Mm-hmm. But it's what if you would Steve read what Acts says. Oh, oh the uh, the part about Acts fifteen. Yeah. And I'll just go while he's turning there. I'll just that's ahead and, important. Yes. While he's turning, I'll just go ahead and mention that I, I call Jesus the premise. So when Jesus makes a statement, everything has to be filtered through what he says, uh, both uh, old and new. So if Paul says something that seems unusual, 
you just push it through the filter of Jesus and let and whatever and you push Paul's words through the filter of Jesus's words and they'll and you'll get the right one. The same thing with with the uh, Hebrew scriptures. You push it through the Jesus filter and you'll get the right uh, the right doctrine. And the rest of that part of Act of Ephesians two mentions that the middle wall of separation has been torn down, mm-hmm. and that that was actually referring to a physical barrier that was actually up on the Temple Mount that prevented the Gentiles from going into the Jewish part of the temple. And so what they're saying is there really is no difference now. We are all one in Messiah, whether Jew or Gentile. But they did state that the the those Gentile conversions did not have to keep every aspect of the law of Moses. But as we had said several times on this program, that those four things were basically the starting blocks and the part that allowed for fellowship with the Jewish people. the And also that they were completely separated from their pagan roots. Uh, so those those four necessary things, which are uh, from things polluted by idols, sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood, was why they gave those things. But we, when we begin to understand who we are as Christians or part of the Commonwealth of Israel, then we just kind of, I say it like this, it only makes sense that if we have been grafted into and become part of Israel, that maybe we should adopt the rules that God gave to govern Israel. And though the disciples said they don't have to do it all, but as we do it, we begin to kind of take on more of the yoke, if you will. So here, here's another question, and, and I think maybe it's a place where people get confused. We follow a lot of those rules already. Yes, You're following the Ten, the ten Commandments mm-hmm. and things of that nature. You're yep. following a lot of uh, Mosaic law already. Mm-hmm. They're not talking, and I think, Steve, you've, you've talked about this before that there's rabbinic law mm-hmm. and we're not under obligation to follow that. Right. And the, and we have to remember that the Bible tells us in, in Romans chapters two and three, it says that the Holy spirit, it says, and when the Gentiles, which have not the law do by nature, the things contained in the law, they being without the law show that the law has been written on their hearts by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So part of the job of the Holy Spirit is to write the law of God on our heart. So we, in a way, unconsciously are going about keeping the law as we follow the promptings of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is prompting us to do certain things. And if you if you could fi- go back to the Scripture and look, you'll find a lot of what the Holy Ghost is prompting you to do is actually contained within the uh, the law itself. So the Holy Spirit leads you to keep it, although you might not be kind of checking it off on a list you're actually keeping it because that's what the whole one thing the Holy Spirit is doing. He's writing the law of God on our on our hearts. So is the Holy Spirit our conscience? Is that what you're saying? Well, you know, there's the, the or idea, is there a part of the human nature that knows what's right and wrong? That's a very that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> it, it it really is a big question. And I uh, never and I, ask little questions. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know, uh, just to, just as a quick aside here, just to mention, uh, you know, Steve mentioned about not all the the laws are kept. Yeah, we have to remember that that um, uh, there's a portion of the laws that are what we call identification codes. That they were that the the natural seed of Abraham were to keep certain codes. Even once the Gentiles were fully integrated into them, they still didn't have to keep all the identification uh, codes. And let me just go ahead and add this on top. The Bible says that because we are now one in Messiah, but the Bible also says in Messiah there is neither male or female. Right. Okay. So in the mind of God, we are equal male and female, but equal does not mean same. That's right. A, and the part of our problem in our society today is we think in this society, American society, that equality means sameness, but it doesn't. So men and women in the mind of God are one in Messiah. They're equal, 
but they're not the same. Females still have biblical responsibilities that are different from male responsibilities. We are one in Messiah. Jew and Gentile are one in Messiah, but we have different responsibilities within that oneness, if I can say it. That's a great way to say it. Exactly. Perfect. All right. So let me go to another part of, because I saw another kind of post this guy had put out. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, you know, how could the, you know, the Bible said there was nothing wrong with slavery. I don't think that's exactly right. And uh, I'll let you guys uh, talk about that. No, no, the Bible. Never... I mean, I understand that in the South at one time, they used that as a methodology to say slavery was okay. Yeah, no, there's no place in the scripture uh, that says that slavery is okay. As a matter of fact, God was, is the great champion of delivering people from slavery. That's what he did with the children of Israel. He went and he delivered them from slavery. Um, people's uh, actions in the Bible would, would put them in slavery. I, would, I, would, I could even say this. Although we know that slavery is abolished in America, probably the vast majority of people listening to us right now are enslaved. They're enslaved to their own lust. They're enslaved to their own mindset. There's a lot of there's a lot of different kinds of slavery. Mm-hmm. God never condemns it, uh, commends it. God is actually the deliverer from slavery. When the Bible talks about slaves and masters, it's basically dealing with you know what, if you're in this situation, this is how you handle it. This is the way you're to treat people if this is the condition that you're in. Just like it talks about if you're in a marriage and things aren't going well in your marriage, it tells you how to handle that marriage. And where it says that your husband should be testified to by the witness of your life so that he could get born again. So the Bible isn't com- isn't con- commending bad marriages, but it talks about them and tells you how to make them better. God isn't con- commending slavery. It says, but if you're enslaved, this is how you're going to deal with it to, f- to eventually bring about your eventual deliverance. So God's about deliverance, not about enslavement. And most of the people that were what, what people identify as slaves is because uh, they either got themselves in financial trouble and they sold themselves to that family, or they either stole and couldn't pay back the the fivefold, and then they had to indenture themselves to them to be able to pay back what they stole. So there was uh, that's the kind of slavery that we're talking about. But then, it, but God, because He is a God of deliverance, said you can't do this more than seven years. So He always set them free every seven years. And if you just got put in slavery. Uh, in the sixth year, well, then you were only enslaved for one year. He always delivered every seven years the people who got themselves in this trouble that would require um, them to basically make themselves slaves. This is what would be called indentured servitude mm-hmm. right? or bond servants. That's how my family came across to America. You were the indentured servants? They were indentured servants. There you yes. go. And if you understand that concept, like what Steve is talking about, then uh, then every Every race was had had uh, people that were enslaved or in servitude, endangered servitude, until and back in old England they used to have what they called debtors' prison. If you had a, a debt, you would actually go into, you know, not a concentration camp, but you would go into prison until somebody on the outside could pay your bill to set you free. So there was a lot of that happening throughout the entire world. God's word does not commend any of those actions indeed it just shows the opposite of, of going across an ocean and enslaving people and bringing them back that's not what we're talking about and i think we paid a heavy price for what we did yeah yeah still are yep yeah we still are all right quick break final segment coming up eight two three oh nine six five you're awful quiet today out there eight two three oh nine six five dr scott stewart is here he is the pastor of uh, Agape Church. Agape Church is located at 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. 
Steve Hess also works over at Agape. Sunday service time, 10 a.m. Website, aclr.org, if you want to learn more about the church church, and the Twitter account for uh, the pastor at Dr. Just Dr. Scott Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. All right, back with you. Final segment. You got a question, 823 823-0965 is the number to call in, and you can ask a question, Dr. Scott or Steve. They'll do their best to answer any questions that you have, whether you're a Christ follower or you're not a Christ follower. I mean, these are all questions that uh, I think people need to be, they need to grapple with. How how difficult or how prevalent do you still think guys it is that people haven't figured out that the God of the old Testament is also the God of the new Testament. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Go for it, Steve. <laughs> how, how important, um, not how important. I mean, is it still, is there still a big schism there? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There is, a, it is, and it's growing. It is. And there is a complete the view that, that there's the God of the Old Testament, and then there's Jesus, who's the God of love, and and I don't know how you can get that when he said They're over one and, and over, same though. He said, right. "I and the Father are one," and this actually goes back to what we started out with, and then what we started about that question two weeks ago, right. because it does look like there is some opposition here, but it's because, and this is what we do here, this is what we talk about every week. We always come back to understanding thing in the context. Who was being said to, what it was being said, and who, what was the language and the cultural and the political setting, because then we can understand that, because there's no way you can just take one verse. Just take that one verse, I and the Father are one. Just stop there, and there's no way that you can believe that they are totally different, or they had two different teachings, or two different sets of rules, or two different sets of consequences. You just stop with that, and if you think that anything other than that, then your doctrine is wrong. If you think Jesus came to teach in opposition of the Father or against the law of Moses, you have misunderstood what he said and then what Paul was doing when he was trying to clarify to all of these Gentiles who were coming in, and he's trying to explain all this to them, and then he's being bombarded with all these people who are trying to make the Gentiles do everything that was required, and that's what he's fighting against. And even he himself had to go before the leaders in the Jerusalem council and and explain to them that he's still teaching and keeping the law of Moses because they even thought that he was te- teaching in opposition. So if they misunderstood Paul in the first century, I assure you, 2,000 years later, we misunderstand. But there is no contradiction. There is only a contradiction in your understanding. Now, I'll go ahead and add to that. When Jesus said, I and the Father are one, um, he also said this. He said, the words I speak, they're not my words. They're my father's words. My teaching is not my own. It's my father's teaching. I don't do anything unless I hear my father say I don't say anything unless I hear, hear my father say it. I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. So every action Jesus taught, every teaching he gave was not from himself. It came directly from the Lord. And God does not contradict himself. God is not schizophrenic. He doesn't say one thing and then do another. His teaching is consistent Jesus' words were not his own words. They were the words of the Father. And the Holy Spirit came along, the Bible says, to put us in remembrance of what Jesus said. So the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus said. And Jesus only said what the Father said. And the Father 
said what he's always said. So therefore, there is nothing but harmony from the first book to the very end of it. And anyone who has a different opinion of that is not understanding the words of Jesus at all. And what did Jesus say? He said, any house divided against itself can not stand. I thought it was Abraham Lincoln. Oh, <laughs> I think he may have stolen that from Jesus. Important, yeah. So if Jesus said any house divided against itself cannot stand, and if we're teaching people, well, God said one thing, Jesus said another thing, then we have created a house divided against itself, and we've just condemned our own religious movement to its destruction. Is that because people can't figure have such a hard time figuring out the, tr- the, the Trinity? They hear, you know, Jesus says, I'm the Father, the Father is in me, and they're going, but I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, the God, God is up in heaven. He's a spirit. And I'm looking at you. How can you be one and the same? And this Holy Spirit thing, how does that all fit in? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like when they asked Jesus this question. They said, the Messiah, whose son is he? And they said, the son of David. And then he says, well, then how is it that David in the Psalms said that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till you make your enemies my footstool? And they couldn't answer him because there were some things that we just can't comprehend in our mind. And they couldn't comprehend the fact that David, not fully understanding how this whole Messiah was going to work out, wrote that God said to the Lord that he's going to be his son. Doesn't seem to make sense, but yet we can kind of understand it now. But I, somebody they gave me an analogy once, and I like to use it. The We can't understand the ocean, but if you can put the ocean in a cup, you still have the elements of the ocean. So we can't comprehend the fullness of God, but we got all that we could understand in the fullness of Jesus. Well, the way I always put it is that a finite mind cannot understand an infinite being. And and that is the problem that people have who've made themselves into their own gods Mm -hmm. who believe that through their own reason, they've come up with the answer that there can't be a God because this doesn't make sense to them. Well, that's because... Itty bitty mind, <laughs> that's right, that's and it doesn't. It's not. It's not going to help you. I mean, if you, you if can't you, get your arms around it, man. No, and if we, if we, if with your little brain, if you're able to understand an infinite God, then He's not as infinite as you as you think He is. Yeah. I, th- I think that it, one thing they say within Jewish wisdom is this: is that they accept things they cannot understand because the one communicating them is smarter than they are. We Greeks say, I will believe God when I can bring him down to where I can understand him. When I can bring God down to my level so I can understand him, then I'll accept him. Mm-hmm. Where the Jews say, I'll accept him even if I don't understand him because that's how much bigger he is than I am. But that goes back to the story you told weeks ago mm-hmm. about the physicist, the astrophysicist right. you were talking to. Mm-hmm. They don't understand why a lot of this stuff no. works and why the universe sticks together they don't know why no they just accept that it does right <laughs> and the one thing they didn't understand they call the god particle yeah right? they I'm said we don't understand it so we don't have a clue <laughs> right but it's there yeah. you know it it exists mm-hmm. so you know bully for that you know <laughs> just accept it for what it is mm-hmm. yep. i i don't know why people have such a hard time with that except I go back to what man does. Man makes himself God. Yes. Well, Scott hit on it, and that was this: the whole Western and Greek mindset is we have to have it figured out. We have to have an answer. And, and the Jewish mindset can go, I don't know. And they're okay with that. And we, we spontaneously combust when we can't give an answer. They have, it's, it's actually mentioned in two forms. They say 
that uh, Greeks have step logic, which is A plus B equals C. So therefore, C plus A must equal B, whereas Jews think of what's called block logic. You can have two opposite opinions, and they still say, you know what? I can I can exist within the paradox of a conflict, whereas in our thinking, we can't. We have to have it all worked out, otherwise no, we, we have can't an accept answer. it. We have to have an answer. Whereas uh, the Jewish people say, you know what? I'm okay not knowing because God's bigger and smarter than I am, and I accept that. And uh, I think we would live a lot happier lives. Talk about freedom. And there would be a lot less denominations. You know, yep. David, there are actually in the world today, there are over 40,000 Christian denominations. 40,000. Because everybody wants to have the answer. And everybody thinks they do. Mm-hmm. And Judaism has like five <laughs> strains of Judaism. Uh, and uh, so it, it seems like we could uh, we could learn a lot by mm-hmm. letting God be God and stop trying to figure him out. All right. Let me remind you that Dr. Scott Stewart is the pastor at Agape Church. It's located at 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. Sunday service time is 10 a.m. Steve will be there. He's the guy singing off key. Uh, <laughs> website aclr.org, aclr.org, if you want to know more about Agape Church. And the Twitter for uh, Dr. Scott Stewart is at Dr. Just Dr. Scott Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Steve hasn't gotten into the 21st century yet. We are going to force him to get a Twitter account before the end of this year. Have a nice evening. We'll see you again tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com.